Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm joined by our co-host, Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. Hi, guys. Hi, hi, everybody. And we're joined by a really awesome guest that we've had on the pod before. And all three of us together are here to discuss Our Flag Means Death. But you know her, her name. She is an awesome, awesome internet person. She's been on Tumblr for about as long as we have, probably longer. And, you know, she likes to obsess over the same shows that we do. So everyone say hi to Claudia. Hi, Claudia. Hi. Thank you for returning to the pod. So happy to have you once again. I'm very Uh, happy to be back. Yes. So great. Awesome. I'm glad that we're all three of us are here together. I know. We're excited. (laughs) To discuss this wonderful show, Our Flag Means Death, a show that has overtaken the internet and you know very like big fandom circles people that it used to be obsessed with like sherlock you know supernatural doctor who we know the type and now they have found a new show to hyperfixate on to make out of context edits on to make fan art about to write fan fiction for to create whole fan pages over on tiktok it's just you know just a bunch of young people obsessing over 50 plus year old men doing their job and doing it well doing exceptionally well you know uh, nature, I mean? the nature more things change i was about to say the more <laughs> things change the more they stay the same <laughs> i i saw somebody say that they were like usually it's like you know it's passed on from the older generation we see the new kids whatever and truly truly there are a lot of young people whatever but um i don't know if somebody said this in an article or where so like correct me if i stole it from somebody because it was not my original idea but they said that they also noticed that the our flag means stuff fandom is a little like on the older side as well because it's Mm -hmm. a lot of people who were previously queer baited who Mm -hmm. are now like participating at the same level that they did when they were a teenager yeah we heard that (laughs) we heard that we heard that your microphone is good (laughs) wait that's me we did somebody break something that was from me yeah it definitely wasn't me it wasn't me there's no one else here (laughs) yeah like claire is everything okay Oh, oh my god, are you okay? I'm fine, the cats are fine. Do you want do you want to sequester them in here with me? They're sequestered in the other bedroom. Okay. It's okay. Alright. No one no one is hurt. I, I thought it was one of them because the microphone, <laughs> microphone like picks up my own sounds. I thought it was one of them. I, I did not know it was you. Are you okay? Everything is fine. Put yeah. on some shoes, please. Yeah. I had to get them out of Okay, the all right, okay, all right. I can right. clean up glass. Everything is okay. Okay, good, okay. Oh, God, I don't know what Claire's doing. <laughs> so sorry about that. I, it's Glenn, fine. I believe, I believe you were saying something. <laughs> um, I even know what I was saying. Um, I, wait a second, it was like something about the old generation um, being a part of this. Yeah, okay, one, I feel like Part of the reason why the old generation is part of this, and I may be wrong here, but it's just based off of like my speculation, but kids really don't have, j- just like in general, don't really have access to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I feel like HBO Max just kids are, feels- Kids are good at pirating though. Well, like, they get, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Like, I just mean like, just like in general, 
I feel like HBO Max tends to aim for an older crowd, just like for its platform overall. Yeah. So it makes... Other than Euphoria, and also yeah. HBO Max is not international yet. True, it is yet. not international. Once it's international, I feel like that would change yeah. a lot more. But like, but like even Euphoria, like Euphoria still very much appeals. Like it has a huge older group fan base. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like especially if with it like when i'm thinking younger generation i'm thinking people who were like our age around the time that like the queer baby was happening so i'm thinking like 13 year olds 14 year olds yeah. are really it doesn't it doesn't feel like hbo max has a lot of content that would really interest them as opposed yeah. to like something like netflix which is pretty like all across the board or even you could argue maybe even hulu which has a lot of stuff that's a lot more across the board hbo max seems fairly targeted towards an older crowd and like a lot of people have hbo max now but like everyone has netflix yeah mm -hmm. which was like you really you're looked at weird if you don't have netflix yeah or you mm -hmm. always have somebody's password at least and I, yeah because this is a pirate show i would like to discuss piracy because i, I think it's, it's very interesting <laughs> because um I've noticed a lot with the younger generation and TikTok and whatever, like they don't, because of streaming services now are so easy to get and because of Netflix and how international it is and whatever, the kids these days, they don't know how to pirate as well as, as we used to. Uh, and you really have to teach them unless they're like really deep into certain fandoms and have been doing it for a long time or they come from usually not the U.S. where everybody knows how to pirate things. Yeah. Um, American mm -hmm. teenagers just do not know how to do that shit the same way that we did. Um, and so, like, I I feel like there's a... I mean, I, I feel like it's there's almost been a, a renaissance of it as well because you were saying, like, I don't think teenagers really have HBO Max or whatever. And I, I don't think I've seen it in like TikTok comment sections or whatever. People are like, how can I watch this or whatever? And people are like, it's on HBO Max. And I'm like, I don't have that. And people are like, just pirate it. Like, <laughs> it's a pirate show. Just pirate it. Like, yeah. um, mm -hmm. like, a, like a million times. Like, there's a lot of, there's like these two entry points of like much younger people who have maybe never really gotten into a fandom where they had to like dig for it before. Like I had to do with Doctor Who. Shout out mm -hmm. to Mega Video. Yeah. Um, and also older people who are like, I've also seen TikToks that are like this, that are like, um, I haven't been obsessed with something like this, like since my like super cringe, like Homestuck or like super Hulaki years when I was a teenager. I don't know why I'm regressing back I'm into this space. And <laughs> 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 like, I'm like, um, and I, yeah, I've seen those like kind of two ends of the spectrum um it's just it's very interesting and also um yeah for legal reasons the piracy part is a joke yeah mm. for legal reasons we have no we don't we don't even know how pi piracy works we have piracy? no piracy i would yeah. what never. is that no instead but, we could talk about the shows we're watching legally and this yeah. is like what we call can't wait to watch we talk about tv shows and movies that we've been can't wait to see um where we're watching them through streaming services that we all pay for with our own money and we Absolutely. don't share passwords because why would you do that? Why would you do that? We mean, I will definitely give my dollar to Hulu and Netflix and HBO Max and every other streaming service. So if you guys have any um, TV shows or movies that are going to come out or are out right now that you can't wait to watch or anticipating, you can go ahead. Uh, I want to go last because I just finished watching a show and I just want to worry about it for like five minutes. But you guys okay. can go ahead and tell us what you're excited for. 
uh, I'll go first just okay. because. So the one, okay, I'll, you know, I'm just gonna go. One is a movie that's coming out. I believe it comes out in like two weeks or something. Um, it's called Firestarter. Um, oh, you've I probably heard about, heard about that. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one, I am a little bit of a, a little bit of a whore every single time Stephen King book or excerpt or whatever gets turned into like a movie mm. or a show. Like, yeah, there's been some, like, iffy ones, and yeah, there's been, but I don't think there's been, like, any ones that are, like, objectively bad, you know? I can't, I can't judge you. I'm a Star Wars fan. Like, I, I can't judge you for, like, Thank you, know, you. Some, Thank yeah. you. sometimes, the, you know, sometimes we all like things that are crap. Like, and, like <laughs> it's just and, like, what it is. I think it's partially with the genre, because, like, mm -hmm. horror is, I, okay, I feel a little bit at risk saying this, but it's never bad. Like, it can be a really bad horror movie and then you're enjoying watching it because it's bad or it can be a really good horror movie and you're enjoying watching it because it's good it's very hard for a horror movie to fail in a way that's not entertaining at all to watch mm, okay. i mean like you're saying that the the spectrum of good to bad you in the middle is camp and there's not and it's very hard to veer yeah, off it's, of that it's very hard for a horror movie to get made that isn't on some level entertaining to watch yeah. Like, one of my favorite horror movies, I think it's not on Netflix anymore, but I'm pretty sure it was a Netflix original. It was called Most Likely to Die. Um, oh. It was literally the premise of it was it was a high school reunion. I think it was like the 20 year reunion. Maybe it was only the 10. They seemed, they probably were like their late 20s, so like a 10 year reunion. Okay. And like one of them, they were part of the yearbook team. It turns out these were like the popular kids. And one of them, like, as a joke, put the superlative, Most Likely to Die, and like put a kid there because he was like super, like, depressed and like suicidal and they thought oh. it was a funny joke because they're the popular kids obviously they were like oh my god that's so funny ha <laughs> he is like like you know because they're insensitive entitled brats and then he comes back in the 10 year reunion and starts killing them off knocking them off they have no idea who's doing that but like they're all starting to die and like it was cheesy and bad but like it was also kind of funny i was like you know what at least it's an original idea and at least it's the popular kids dying yeah corral's tilted in this movie yeah like did what? you look it up it was on yes. Netflix. I'm pretty sure it was a Netflix original. I'm pretty that... sure because I first saw it on Netflix. 33% mm -mm. around tomatoes is not enough for me. Ooh. No. <laughs> like, it was, like, I would say it was a bad horror movie, but I was like, mm. well, it kinda, it's kind of good. It kind of gets it. Mm, maybe. That's kind of yeah, since like, Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. Um, But yeah, so because of that, even if Firestarter isn't super good, I'll still probably enjoy it on some level. Um, I'm okay with okay. that. And then the other one is just a series that season two just came out, or just premiered. It's not fully out. It's the release of weekly. Um, like two days ago, three days ago, it's um Flight Attendant season two. I mentioned it on this podcast before. You've talked officially... about this show four times. You are constantly bringing I, this show up. I if you do not show. watch this show, like Glenn, we get it. I love this show. Not, you not love us doing free marketing for HBO Max. Honestly, so much on this show. Honestly, like, where's our check? Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say because I know I brought it up so much. I, that's why I'm saying that's done. Okay, awesome, Claudia. Is there anything that you're excited to watch coming out soon? Um, I've, there's a so. I feel like there's a lot of good TV on right now, like on a lot of things that are my Joker are either on right now or just came back. And so I feel like I'm living, I feel like I'm being fed really well. Mm -hmm. um, so of upcoming things, I mean, obviously there's um, Multiverse of Madness, um, but I 
I still don't feel comfortable seeing things in theaters, so I'm like, I, I, I'm good. I'm good there. I'll wait until it hits digital download and then watch it in some form. Right. Um, but and there's 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 like a couple of things that are currently airing that I really like, um, and I think like Moon Knight I think is the best Marvel show hands down. We don't we don't need to get into that discourse today. Um, Gentleman Jack is my Joker. I think everyone who watches Our Flag Means Death needs to go watch Gentleman Jack. Um, it is a BBC show, but it's being syndicated in the U.S. on HBO Max. I believe season two is coming in to the U.S. Yeah, it's this coming week. soon. The, yeah, I think it's this week or just came out like this weekend or whatever. So if you got HBO Max, again, I, I feel like I'm doing free marketing for them. Um, mm-hmm. It's very awesome, very slay. Um that was the thing that my podcast co-host and I say way too much. Um, the Owl House also is my Joker, and that is happening right now. Justice for the Owl House. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to be like, I and I'm very excited to watch the Heartstopper series, which just came out this weekend. Yeah, it did. Um, normally, I don't watch Netflix TV shows because I know they're going to cancel them. So. I and I, I recently watched Russian Doll season two, which oh yes, it is going out soon. Yes, Russian, it's out. Yeah, it's out. So so Russian Doll is I just love it because it's just like it's a piece of original fiction that is really good. And also mm-hmm. Leslie Headland, who made the show, is now working on a Star Wars show in the High Republic, and that oh, is going to be my Joker. That's great. Um, and I'm like every season of this show, I'm like, girly, I trust you so much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Russian Doll season two was, was really good, and I'm very excited about Heartstopper. I can't believe I'm saying that about Netflix shows, which I never give that kind of loyalty to mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Um, unfortunately, though, of upcoming shows, um, I, I I am I am most excited for Obi Wan Kenobi. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I will be. <laughs> unfortunately like i'm 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 trying to like let my star wars fan like lay dormant right now like i have mm-hmm. other things i have other things right now yeah. to make me happy yeah unfortunately every time i do hear something about it um and like i've really enjoyed all the other star wars tv shows and whatever and like every time i hear something about it and i like i read all the books and everything like that mm-hmm. i i enter a mental place where i am the joker and okay um, i'm not gonna be in my correct mind and okay it's coming out the first two episodes are coming out may 27th which is like the end of may and then the rest of the show is coming out in june during pride month happy pride everyone can be but um i will be visiting family a lot during that month and i'm i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be a normal person and, and they said like there's gonna be a lot of cameos and there's gotta be a lot of like rebel stuff in there whatever and i'm like hmm, i'm gonna become the worst version of myself i'm gonna be so obnoxious possibly toxic online um and i'm trying to prepare i'm trying to prepare myself mentally for that um you know i've been trying to i'm like i really like to analyze things critically and like you know and let i love things and whatever but i can really back and forth like no i'm gonna be the worst version of myself. <laughs> um, just the restlessness inside of you is yeah, dying to like, come out. And I, you deserve it. And yeah. you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I read an interview about how Hayden Christensen watched all of the Clone Wars and I, I felt insane. I felt mm-hmm. crazy. I was like, um, hmm, I've entered my Joker. <laughs> A cool and fun fact about me is that um, 
I did think I was straight for like most of my life, unfortunately. Um, but when I was, you know, who were my celebrity crushes when I was a kid? It was it was Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, and it was Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Um, it wasn't like I especially liked Anakin. I just I just liked I just liked him. Right. Um, and um, I, I I I very much loved that man so much. <laughs> I didn't also know that I definitely was also attracted to Padme. And I was just like very into that era, and, and also Obi Wan, and, and there was a lot going on there, but. Um, so to have him come back, I'm like, oh, I'm hmm, I'm becoming my worst self. Um, anyways, so yeah, unfortunately, it is a very, very predictable answer. But um, Stan Gentleman Jack is all I'm going to say. Um, yes, is, is Gentleman Jack a story about a landowner? True. Um, it is a, sh- a story about a, a landlord. However, horrible news about the pirates in the show that we are going to talk about today. I mean, so... Yeah, right. I I did have to give somebody what for on TikTok before they were like, I just think it's a little problematic because it's about a landlord. And I was like, oh, but you're willing to watch the the pirate show based on real people who had a plantation in Barbados? That's where you draw the line? Babe, I mean... (sighs) <laughs> Takes some self-reflection, okay? I'm like, literally, I, I will also say for like, I give this recommendation all the time to watch Gentleman Jack. It's it's not a comedy in the way that Our Flag Means Stuff or What We Do in the Shadows is a comedy. It has a lot of funny moments, a lot of British humor kind mm-hmm. of deal. It's a dramedy, like very much in the Ooh, sense of the yes, word. Oh, yes, we love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, like, Come on, British have, dry humor, yes. Yeah, you have like Saran Jones who plays Anne Lister. Like, again, they're based on real people and real yeah. events that happen. Like, they read from her real journals of her being an absolute lesbian slut, uh, which is mm-hmm. so true, girl. I love you so much. <laughs> um, but, um, like, they, they, this is, unlike our Flag Me South, which we're going to talk about, and it's very, like, they just wrote historical RPF. This is hist- This is the difference. One is historical RPF. This is historical fiction. Um, mm. And it's very much, like, they do a lot with the storytelling, Um you know, like she breaks the fourth wall a lot because it's told through her letters and you either hear her like in voiceover um, or like it's told through her letters. Um, She's often like looking at the camera as well, just just like as if she was writing these letters and talking to you, the reader, the other viewer. So there's a little bit of cheekiness there and a little bit of whatever, but it's definitely not the same tone. And there's like a lot of serious shit going on as well, but it's definitely not the same tone as... um, the other two shows but i recommend them in the same vein anyway because if you're going for gay people um and weird little gay people i think it's a good time and there's more than just the two main lesbians there's other lesbians as well so it's a good time anyways this became a this became a a pitch for gentleman jack anyway (laughs) um thank you thank you so much claudia for telling us about the shows you get to watch and glenn all right, it's my turn because uh, recently, uh, last here week. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, shut up. No, okay? because we're gonna buckle in. We're gonna get ready. No, okay. I'm like, hi, I- welcome to my channel. Today, <laughs> we're gonna be doing a twenty-two point PowerPoint oh slide. Oh my god! Thank you for coming to my TED talk. No, stop. <laughs> Let me speak. Okay, so last week we did a, a, a pod about documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. And in that, I have found I have a newfound love for documentaries. 
I have oh. different hyperfixations at different times. Okay. Claudia knows this. At one point, I was very obsessed with Star Wars. She gave me a, Google, a whole Google Doc on how to watch Star Wars in order, the Clone Wars. And mm. did I reference that and like start watching them? Yes. But then my D&D hyperfixation came over, overcame me. And, you know, it just like, it was a from there. Uh, 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 you know, suffice it to say, I have a Roll20 account. If anyone wants me to play D&D with them, please let me know. I've never played before. All my friends that like D&D are too afraid to GM. So if anyone you else can, wants to... You can, cut, you can cut this out, but um, yeah. I'm, in a, I'm in a server, and this is how I like started playing. Like I have a regular group now that I go visit them in Brooklyn or whatever, but I played a lot of virtual games mm. um, before that, and I have a server that I'm in um, that does a lot of drop-in games a lot. They have like a world where you can like just... like They're like, hey, we're going to do like a, a drop-in game Like if anybody who wants to join or whatever... Um, and they're like, they're great for like, and some of them, like they stream themselves playing and some of them they're like, yeah, we'll have like, um, I mean, like they don't stream the games if you don't want to. Um, but like some of them are like experienced and they play with each other a lot. And then some of them are like, there's beginners, whatever. Um, and the DMs were really, really nice and really cool. Um, like my character hasn't been there a lot lately cause I've been playing with my other, my other friends or whatever but like mm. he created a whole town like around my character or whatever and he was like oh i just ran a campaign that was like in the town around your character and he told me about it whenever um and it's like a very like low pressure space like if you want to like learn how to like build a character and like mm. play in some games with like a lot of different people and like play okay. little one shots and stuff it's yeah. it's fun so i can like send you i can send you an invite um yeah. do that do yeah that. it's it's a it's a nice time okay. anyways you can cut that out okay awesome uh, basically, I'm in a new, uh, I have a new hyperfixation, it is on documentaries. Uh, the re- most recent documentary I've watched is How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Uh, this came out in 2020, so it's not that old, but it's still very, very interesting. If you haven't seen the documentary, this is what happens in it, okay? There are two drug chemists in the state of Massachusetts. They are on the west, there's one in the west, there's one in the east. I might get the directions mixed up, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Suffice it to say, this is what happens. There is a drug lab, lab chemist by the name of Sonia Farrick, and there is one by Annie Dukin. They are both arrested because they have been mishandling drug samples and evidence and basically have created a whole upheaval of the Massachusetts uh, like criminal system. Annie Dukin was accused of forging reports and tampering with samples, basically. She was doing this thing called dry labbing, which is when she would look at drug samples and be like, this looks like heroin, and then put those results for 10 different cases. And she would do that for years. Annie Dukin was like a star athlete, uh, a star academic. She was so smart. She was ambitious. She was a child of immigrants. You know, a lot of things about her, like she was seen as like, you know, the one good kid. And like, the thing is, is that like she would get four times amount of work done than all her other chemists at the lab that she worked at and the thing is is that also it's like she was praised for productivity and how fast she got things done and prosecutors loved her prosecutors talked to her she was friends with prosecutors she would kiki with them which they shouldn't do because drug lab chemists are supposed to be the neutral arbiters of justice so that you can get the result that you need in the case that you have and get the convictions that you want right but the thing is Sonia Farrakhan who was on the other side of Massachusetts was if they found a crack pipe in her drawer at her desk where she worked and so then they found out that she had been using drugs in the lab the lab that she worked at was underfunded overworked constantly behind so many cases back to back to back and she was basically like the drug chemist that worked in that lab there were four people they would work over 10,000 cases like thousands and thousands of cases in like that part of Massachusetts so of course they're overworked overfunded underfunded all that stuff so Oftentimes when 
you get a drug sample to a certain case, you shouldn't assign yourself to a case. It should be assigned to you. The drug chemists would just take cases they wanted. Annie Verkin, Sonia learned how to um, game the system so that she could get cases with large drug samples. So she would constantly get cases with 20 kilos of cocaine, 50, 100, and she would skim off the top and save it for herself so, so that she could use it in her day to day. She started doing that in 2004 when she first became a drug chemist. She got caught in 2012. So for about eight years, possibly, she has been a drug addict. And the thing is that with Annie Farrakhan, Annie Farrakhan is Indian American, right? When they found out she was dry labbing, they threw the book at her, they threw her in jail, they overturned all her convictions, all her cases, she was in trouble. People were resigning from their jobs, people were leaving, it was a whole thing. Sonia Farrakhan is a white woman, right? When they found out that she had did this, they kept it small, they kept it quiet, they kept it contained. The attorney general at the time of Massachusetts said that, I might be getting some details wrong because I did take any notes on this, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay, mm. basically, she said that there are only two cases in which we have to uh, look back at the samples that she tested, and we're not looking at any of the other ones. Because, and then a judge came in and there was a case, blah, 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 she went to jail, and the judge was basically like, from July 2011 to the time she was arrested was when she was a drug addict, right? And so there are like, of course, defense attorneys going to bat, trying to figure out what's going on. Why are they saying this? Why are they lying? They went through her car. The defense attorneys are asking for like paperwork and like the things that I found in her car. And da, 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 da. They're saying, oh, it's a sort of lab work. You don't have to look at it, right? It did take till 2016 for her to like be convicted, put on a grand jury trial for her to get immunity and tell the complete and utter truth about what happened. There was a defense attorney by the name of Luke Ryan, I believe that's his name. And he was going to bat every single day trying to figure out what is this assorted lab work? What is going on? He found when they first handed over evidence to them in 2011, 2012, they gave them manuals on how to build a microscope. They gave them manuals on how to test drugs. They gave them like basically pictures of the car and like a itinerary of what was found in the car and two things in the car was assorted lab work. And they kept trying to get the assorted lab work. And there was the assistant attorney general at the time who was pretty green and pretty new, Chris Foster. And she basically didn't give them anything. She didn't disclose anything to them. The judge said, oh, you're not getting this lab work. You're not getting this evidence. Like it's not for you. And they basically covered that up right? Not until 2016, when they got a new attorney general from Massachusetts, and they found two retired judges to do a report to really like look into what had happened, to figure out what had happened. And then he got access to all these emails of prosecutors and people in the attorney general office being like, he's rude, he's aggressive, he's mean, he's looking into this too much. I don't like him. Like literally he's reading emails about people talking mad shit about him. And these defense attorneys throughout the entire documentary are being like, we trust in the justice system. We care about the justice system. This wouldn't happen. Why is this happening? And of course I'm noticing the parallels because even in the documentary, they go, they spend so much time talking about Sonia Farrick and how she was like the first girl to play uh, football in the high school league in Massachusetts and how she was a smart kid. She was quiet. She was intelligent. And Annie, oh, Annie Duke went to jail. She lied. I guess she was ambitious, but she lied. And she didn't even get the same treatment as Sonia did in the documentary. And that's the thing, like, even though Annie straight up lied on her reports, Sonia Farrakhan was high. 
for years. She went to therapy. She went to drug treatment therapy. She had worksheets in her car talking about how she wanted to get sober and she couldn't get sober. She simply could not for years. And they knew this and they knew this. So yeah, it was all uncovered and they had to dismiss over 50,000 cases because there were two chemists that lied and messed up on the drug samples. And there was one person that went from doing liquid meth to cocaine, to making crack at her desk, to taking LSD, to like, she was going off. Like she was really in it. She was really struggling. And the thing that sucks is that like, it's like, you want to be mad at Sonia because she has a drug problem. I want to be mad at Annie because like she was a little too ambitious. But like, I get being ambitious and having like the pressure of being a first generation immigrant child and having to like uphold some kind of, you know, like image. And I get like the pressure you get when you're depressed at a young age. And the thing that was really sad was that the defense attorney pitied Sonia because he deals with people who are drug addicts. And the thing is, I try to feel bad for Sonia, but she also said this thing once where it was like, oh, well, if somebody wanted their case reanalyzed and retried, they could have just asked. No, they can't. No, they, the, what? And she's like, oh, well, I took the drugs. I know they're real. So these people should be in jail. It's like, hospitals, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, that was basically the documentary. It was, it was a lot. It's four episodes. It's so good. Y'all gotta go watch it. It's this- so good. This is why I can't watch these documentaries <laughs> stuff because they piss me off so much that Bruh. I get I get so they piss me off so much. I couldn't be a defense attorney if I had to read emails about someone telling me they hate me because I'm doing my job. Well, I'm doing my job, and then you're in court because you couldn't do your job. I'm embarrassing you. Like, Fuck professionalism. I'm embarrassing you. All right, you better hope your mommy ain't in the court. Okay, she better be red in the face. Red in the face and the neck. Okay. Hmm. Like an in an in detail example of how our country is a, a sham fraud, a sham <laughs> fraud place. This is why I can't watch this shit. I I trust you. I know this is good and this is compelling. I can't watch this because I know my blood pressure will go through the roof Damn. and I will walk around the house giving a speech. You know that meme that's the like old guy. Um, taking a card and throwing it down, be like, "Es el capitalismo thing." Uh-huh. Um, I that's me. Anytime I watch or see anything like this, um, and then I just, I just do a, I, I get, I get heated, and I, my blood pressure goes through the roof, and I just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. This, hearing this, you, mm, this is like a, when I, in, in my more oh. neoliberal era in high mm-hmm. school, in high school, in high school, but also in college. Um, I did weird, I was very depressed and I did a lot of weird shit when I should have been doing schoolwork or like mm-hmm. socializing with people. And I would do things like watch random South Park episodes or Ooh, get into South Futurama Park. or mm-hmm. listen to the entire backlog of every episode of This American Life ever made. Uh-oh. Yes, I in... 2014 2015 i listened all the way back um this american life is a journey yeah and so my blood pressure would go through the roof all the time because then sometimes they would do like the big investigative stuff like that Mm -hmm. and my god like ignorance really is bliss because once you learn about just how messed up everything is yeah and i was given mm -hmm. yeah 
and I was in college already, so like you're you're already learning things, and you're like, man, fuck this, right? <laughs> um, right. and yeah. I, I was like, hmm, is this gonna raise my blood pressure through the roof? Um, mm. and now, hmm, hmm. I, I I I trust you that that's very good. I don't yeah. think I would be able to mentally watch that. Right? Yeah, it's hard to watch because like you're just trying. I'm trying to like when you watch anything, there's a good guy and a bad guy, but it's hard to pick a bad guy. Like the bad guy is obviously the crystal criminal justice system and like the prosecutors, obviously in the story. And like you feel like at one point I didn't like Chris Foster because like she should have just done her job, but she was told by her superiors not to release those documents and not to disclose what was in you know the car and if she did that she would have got fired and she was new she was new on the job she was like what am i supposed to do like go against the heart like she would have been chopped and probably wouldn't have been able to find another job in the government sector so you know it's it's hard to watch because you think about like how sonia farrakin like it's just mistake after mistake and she tried to get better and she tried to do better and she straight up said in court like i don't believe i made any mistakes and i'm like girl you were smoking crack 10 to 12 times a day, mind you. 10 to 12 times. How? That's like, a lot. Never like, made a mistake? I don't Walter, believe you. Walter White could never. It, it's too much. Walter it's, White is actually based off of her story. Uh, there was Wait. one point where like she had liquid meth and she put water in it and like water oil don't mix. And like her supervisor who was smarter than her saw that. And he was like, oh, it went bad. And he just threw it out. I The incompetence. I, I It's not even in, just incompetence at that point. Like it's, I'm not not at that point, but like like it's it's one of those things, like it's difficult for us as humans to believe someone that we trust or care about would do something that we see as wrong. Yeah. And it's just that the the inability, which they are supposed to train to do. They're supposed mm -hmm. to be trained to like set aside their emotions and look at objective facts. But it's still a very human nature thing. Like I wouldn't, like my mom, for example, she's never had any history with drugs or anything like that. But even mm -hmm. if there was like blatant evidence that she was doing that, you would never be able to convince me of it unless I literally saw her doing it. Because like a human mind isn't going to like do that. It just goes against our nature to assume someone we love would do something that we objectively think is bad. That's, yeah. I, I just, every time I hear a story like this, I'm like, mm -mm. just think of the number of stories like this that we don't hear about that never right. get discovered. Just, Which is most of them, obviously. Most like, of them. Because oh. let's be realistic, the best stories like this, they never get caught. Like, yeah. like yeah. if someone's truly good at what they're doing, we will never hear about it. Well, if you listen to the true crime girlies, they'll be like, well, that's how you don't get murdered. And they're, you know, the, the, we can all just solve it ourselves if we just, you know, if we're just a true crime girly. If I die and someone tells my story while they're putting on their makeup you or they're eating like 10 pounds of lobster, I'll tell you right now, them lights are flickering. You have never seen, <laughs> you have never seen <laughs> Stephanie again. I'm sorry. You said this Definitely. when we had our true crime episode, and I'm going to I... tell you, it's going to happen. No, it's going to happen. And it's and I'm go you're going to see me, and the camera lens. She's going to see something shift. All right, best believe. You're like what? I will come through the veil of death and be like, 
do not make a true crime podcast. I think the me. fuck not. I think the fuck not. I'm unplugging every single microphone. You're going to be busy too. Because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be writing about this you. There's going to be a lot of people going to be talking about I you. I mean, I can move through walls, you know. It's... You're going to have a full afterlife keeping these people quiet <laughs> we, we can't we can't get into how much i hate this white people being in my business when i'm alive and white people being in my business when i'm dead it never ends huh it never ends <laughs> i somehow i have ended up on the part of tiktok i think it's because i live in new york that mm. i've ended up on not just like true crime girly tiktok but like um just like suspicious about crime girly tiktok and like <sighs> i keep hitting not interested and i keep mm-hmm. but it's like yeah. oh you're a woman in your late 20s who a white woman in your late 20s who lives in new york city so I'm you sure. really love true crime yeah mm-hmm. it's like oh do you love my favorite murder and being scared you're gonna get killed by a serial i'm like no uh, i'm actually yeah. fine with not thinking about being murdered. yeah and i'm yeah. like i get i get these tiktoks all the time and they're like super fear-mongery they're super like i mean i got i got i got crazy security theater ones i get i get a lot of surveillance stuff i get a lot of like and i'm like i am not interested i got like ones are like here's a tip to like look behind your door before someone tries to kill you and we're like babe bestie what the fuck Mm -hmm. um i'm like horrible news uh i am a white woman i'm unfortunately probably fine um unlike the girlies unfortunately Unfortunately. <laughs> no, unfortunately. We're okay. Fortunately, we're, for- we're, yeah, we're okay with you being alive. That's fine. Yeah. We have no problems with you living. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, um, terrible news. I'm probably okay. Um, mm. <laughs> And I'm literally, I get these videos all the time and they're like, did you know that you could get sex trafficked? And I'm like, shut up. No, that's not how sex trafficking works. Mm. Stupid. Mm um anyways um i hate that shit <laughs> um yes how so, do how do we get in such a depressing topic a true crime girly <laughs> girl leave that bag behind oh my gosh one day i'll tell you one day i'm gonna tell you guys about the true crime influencer that i used to work for it was you mentioned a little bit of it i i mentioned it before what? we could talk about it off the pod did because you did you work for the my favorite murder girly no not her it was somebody else she's oh. easily googleable though you can find we can talk about it later we can talk about it later oh, okay. wait a second no because my <laughs> keyboard is feeling really hot right now <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what else is hot the high seas, which is what you'll be sailing upon. Literally cold. Literally objectively cold. And that's why we're all going if you keep listening to the true crime girlies. And and since we've been talking about crime, piracy. Piracy. HBO Max's new show, Our Flag Needs Death, premiered on May 4th, and it was astounding. April 4th, actually. It's not May yet. I was about to say, wait. As you all may or may not know, um, Our Flag Me Seth is an amazing show starring uh, Steed Bonnet, the real 18th century pirate who loved the high seas because he hated married life. He didn't hate his wife, he just hated being married. You know how it goes. Anyways, he put together a crew of vagabonds that were sailing the high seas in pursuit of something bigger and better for his you know, dreams. He meets Edward Teach, aka Blackbeard, the most fearsome pirate to ever live. It takes place in the 18th century. And the show is about piracy, but it's also about love, acceptance, and being oneself, those who are different, and being different around those around us. 
Yes. So as we go into talking about the show, guys, tell us your initial thoughts and you know how you discovered the show and what you think about it. Glenn, you can go first. Um, okay, fair enough. So I I guess let's I'm gonna be realistic. I heard, I heard about the show maybe like two, three weeks ago. Like I had rumor, rumors, not rumors, just like rumblings of the show. I did not fully realize that was like a show that was made and like available to watch <laughs> until a few days ago when you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I am someone, I don't know how to describe it. I am not someone who's actively paying attention to what's coming out. I have the fandoms that I like, I have the genres that I like. And so I'm aware of what's going on there. If it's even a smidgen, even a hair outside those genres, I probably will not know about it until someone purposely brings it up to me. Um, so I binge watched all of it in like the last 48 hours, which I, that's not hard to do. It's 10 episodes. We're used right. to like marathoning like seven seasons in 48 hours. So right. this, uh, this right. felt like a little bit of a breather, a little bit it's of a It's about break. drive. It's about power. I mean, for, uh, for all the, uh, going back again to all the Tumblr goies, like, unless you're binge watching all of Supernatural, I'm not that you can, but unless you're like re-catching up on all of Supernatural, so you decide to binge watch all the previous seasons before the latest season comes out, especially when that gets to 10 seasons, 11 seasons, 12, mm. then you can't talk to me about binging content. Then you can't say that you just binged the show. Right. If there's less than five seasons, you did not just binge the show. And they're mm-hmm. Netflix seasons. They're like yeah. eight episodes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So and Our Flag Means Death is like 10 episodes. Um, but <clears throat> I... Okay, how do I explain it? It's that very specific style of comedy. It's one of my two favorite styles of comedy. That it's nothing really special is happening, but it's taking a group of people that aren't usually focused on in society or just like a weird group, a weird group of people. And it's putting them in very normal, everyday, everyday type of scenarios. But since everyone takes it so incredibly seriously as if it's life or death, it comes across very comical because we like laughing at ourselves. Like we just as people like laughing at ourselves. Like I think it was like the third episode, like I said, they'll, they'll all go blend together. It was like one sitting type vibe. Um, the third episode, I think they went to like a fancy, they went to the fancy dinner with the French people. That's and my like, favorite one. It was, That's yeah, it was the etiquette one. episode. Um, like, oh, like learning like proper fifth etiquette. Episode. Fifth? Yeah. It was. The pyramid scheme episode? Yeah. Yeah, the pyramid one. scheme episode. My favorite. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. It was so good. But like, if you strip away all the, like the pirates and like it's the French people and the pyramid scheme and like all of that. It's literally just about going into a group of people, like going into going to an event with a group of people that you aren't already friends with, and you feel a little bit like an outsider. Like that's something that every single person in the entire world can relate to. Like just having to go to an event and you don't know people there, and you're not sure if you'll fit in. I think mm-hmm. that's something that makes this show special. You were talking about the broad appeal. Like mm-hmm. I am not like like the the range of people who like this show is crazy like for example i'm a gay person um and i grew up watching a lot of tv with my mom but it was always like what she wanted to watch and it's still like that like when i visit her and whatever and a lot of times she watches typically what you think white mom would watch um so it's not usually the best television i'm like 
girl, your taste. Listen, this is so us bad. has its moments. Okay. Yeah. It okay. Has moments. <laughs> you, you, you knew. You <laughs> so, but like, so sometimes she'll recommend things to me and I'm like, absolutely not. No. And also mm. I'm a TV critic. I know a lot of people who are TV critics, whatever. I'm like, um, I already know that that's not good or whatever. So like when mm. she recommends something to me, I'm like, sure, Jan. But like. If it's if on this, Fox, maybe I, not. Yeah. And I, so like, this is a show that like my best friend's straight guy fiance, my mm-hmm. mother, and then my weird little gay friends that I make a podcast with all love. Like, how does that, how, what, what Venn diagram is that? Like, um, there's, there, there's, got, there's some special little sauce in there. And I think mm-hmm. that's the sauce that Glenn was talking about. That mm-hmm. it's, it's just a very, and I think that's a common thing in like workplace comedies and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to the show that I think everybody should be, should be putting in the what we do in the shadows um what we do in the shadows um our flag means death um and one other show trifecta i think mm-hmm. it shouldn't be good omens i think it should be abbott elementary um Ooh, if, abbott if elementary. we're yeah if we're talking about like a little group of like people who are just like friends who are like absolutely just going through it i think it has that like workplace comedy kind of vibe um and uh and everybody can relate to that, and that's what those shows do so so well. Um, I can also relate to that because that's what I love about what we do in the shadows. Yeah, because it's a mockumentary in the same way that The Office is a mockumentary, but it's of course different because it's about three vampires that live in Sun mm-hmm. Island, and they talk about their life before they were vampires, like in the height of like them being kings and queens and conquering people and slaughtering, and pillaging, and all that stuff, and like it's. The show, of course, takes a look back and like their crazy past, and then you kind of look at them now, and you have like them having Guillermo like shake out the curtains, like them being scared by chainmail, because like you know mirrors gotta come out the mirror or something like that. Like the show is funny, and also in a lot of documentaries, they kind of ignore the crew. Like, oh, you just happen to be recording us. But, like, when did the crewmen die in, like, the first episode or, like, the second episode? Because they have, like, the count in their house. They're taking care of the count. And it's so refreshing and funny. And that's also what I love about um, Our Flag Means Death. Because the show flows so easily together with, like, different scenarios they have going on. And it just feels effortless. Like, we move through, like, one person's story and another person's story and like I love that we get to like Jim's story when they're trying to go through the treasure map and like, mm-hmm. they're at St. Augustine and we get to meet Jim's Nana whom I love who is played by I need to find the actress's name because I genuinely love this actress so much but I was we were watching it and it was so good and like I just I love this show so much I don't know it's just it's amazing, you know. It's just got a special little sauce. I mean, everybody loves the um, New Zealander humor. Um, obviously, Taika and Jermaine Clement are the ones who made the original What We Do in the Shadows movie. Mm-hmm. And then the creator and showrunner of um, Our Flag Means Death is David Jenkins, who I think is American, actually. Um, but then Taika is one of the stars and also an executive producer. Um and so, like, there's there's this and there's this definitely this touch of of like New Zealander comedy on there, um, and this is why I am 
I think a lot of people just like that. Um, the New Zealander comedy or like, and we were talking earlier when I was talking about um, like British comedy as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a very specific vibe that I think people really like. Um, and it's, it's just, it's translated well um, into other form. I mean, if you look at Thor Ragnarok and why it's one of the best Marvel movies, very similar and people are like why yeah. is it so funny compared to like other marvel movies that have jokes and like because it's actually funny but it's also yeah. like a very different sensibility it's not a lot like a lot of american humor yeah like if you look at kind of like iron man and like captain america like the jokes they have are like standard jokes they're like oh this is funny ha 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 but Thor Ragnarok is hilarious because they're just little bits and like little bits of humor that happen and they're little there's moments of like improv where the actors just kind of like mess around and play around with their characters and it's great because you know that like Tom Hiddleston knows Loki so well and he likes the little intricacies in Loki and he gets to like play around with Chris Hemsworth as Thor and they can joke around as brothers, as siblings. Because you see them in the first two movies as like two siblings that love each other, but hate each other and want to kill each other. They don't want to kill each other. And in this scenario, they're on a trash planet where they could die at any moment. And like Thor is just like, Loki, Loki, look at me. And Loki's just like, oh, this dude. Uh, excuse me, sorry. It's like, why are you looking at me? Don't mention me. I don't know him. I don't know him like that. It's like, it's the little jokey jokes in there. And it's also fun when, like, you're watching, um, I lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah. I think, well, tagging off of what you said there, part of the reason, obviously, we're talking about Thor Ragnarok a little bit right now, and, like, why those work so well is because I think this is one of, it's happening a couple of the movies, Marvel movies, like, occasionally, for a little bit. But this was one of the only times that we got like a full movie where it wasn't superheroes it was just regular people that happened to have like just like great powers you know like they aren't superheroes they're just people with powers like the because like that scenario the one that you just specifically mentioned where thor is trying to get like loki's attention loki's like oh i don't know him strip away all the they're on a different planet um they have special abilities all of that if you break it down, the situation that is happening is just someone is in the middle of doing something or like getting in trouble for something. And they're trying to find a way out. And they're like, oh, I know this guy. Um, and the person may know them, but doesn't want to be associated and get in trouble too. So of course they're going to ignore them. It's a very simple, basic, real life interaction. I would do the same thing. If I was in Loki's position, one of my friends or whatever was doing something stupid, and they're like, oh, he can vouch me. I would not vouch for them. I would not know. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've never seen this man before in my life. He could be walking by the street, uh, walking down by me, by the street, and I wouldn't even know who he is. Sorry to that man. Like, sorry about that. It's just like, that's a normal human reaction. It's less yeah. superheroes being superheroes. It's superheroes acting like humans. And I think another... Oh, yeah, you go on. Okay. Another thing I love about our flag being stuff is that like, a lot of shows that are sent in the past tend to have like the very, uh, you know, Northmen. They have the very much like, you know, what was that movie that came out with Matt Damon, Adam Driver, 
and the guy who directed it he hates millennials with like smartphones oh um what's that movie the, the movie that was about sexual assault but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it had like nights not, in it. not a lot of women involved yeah it wasn't it wasn't good like no one watched it i don't remember yeah. i know i had a rant about that movie though that's why i remember God, it why but, am like, i forgetting the name right now anyways uh, anyways the, basically like when you have shows that are meant to be period pieces they're usually boring like it's usually just they're usually serious at least yeah there's not a lot of comedy there's not a lot of like intrigue that much you know like i think game of thrones probably was like an outlier for the first five seasons you know where it was like interesting it had like the history aspect to it it had like the different houses and it felt like something you would watch on the history channel was something that would pique your interest but like our flag needs death has like the period romance in it but something obviously different because it's you know it's a little queer you know going, mm. but there's also like the little clever tricks in it and just like the wholesome vibe of all the characters aside that really like brings it together and it's it's just such a, i just love it so much i just love the show so much you know i think i think david jenkins like he said some he said in a couple interviews he's talked about like yeah we realized pretty early on like oh we're writing a love story um and yeah. we're gonna act accordingly and that has just informed whatever it is and and he's talked about her like yeah we, we never cared about historical accuracy whatever like we're gonna write something um that's a good love story and it's funny and we don't really care about the rest and that's kind of why i described it as historical rpf instead of as historical fiction Mm -hmm. um because it's just like we're just here to take these these action figures and play with them and it's not really to do anything else (laughs) and like they don't care about how time and space works with how the boats arrive they don't care about the history They, they they i mean we could get into a whole discussion about maybe they might have should probably use like fictional pirates, but we could get into a discussion. Yeah. Um, like they, they don't, they don't really care about the historical accuracy of a lot of stuff. Um, they're just like, yeah, we're, we're going to do the thing that's funniest. And also the thing that makes the characters, you know, makes the love story and the several love stories actually, mm-hmm. um, make sense. Um, and I think that's why, I think that's why it works works quite well and i i mean i would say something similar about what we do in the shadows they do that with vampire lore i think a lot Mm -hmm. or they're like yeah we're gonna pay we're gonna pick and choose with whatever we want like i think including a lot of the vampire lore makes it funny um but also we're gonna make up our own vampire lore when it suits us and then we're gonna take things and remix them where it is and then we're not gonna be too precious about it um and they're on Staten Island, so who gives a shit? <laughs> um, I also love that he mentioned, I think it was an interview he did with The Verge, how like he just didn't understand what queerbaiting was. Like he was just like, I don't get why you would have these two like characters of the same sex in a like moment where it could be romantic and just not make it romantic. It's like when like straight men find out that like, oh, women deal with sexism like all the time. <laughs> or when like people who are just like white people are just like oh my gosh this is what racism is oh my what no that's like that's how i felt like it's not in the same vein but it's kind of similar where he's like yeah like they 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 kiss like what's the big deal and also helps that like he had like non-binary writers in the writing room 
which obviously helps with like you know Jim and how he went to go see they went to go see their Nana at St. Augustine and like just said just started using they them pronouns so easily so seamlessly because like in the beginning show Jim is a guy who's like mute but then we find out that Jim is a woman and everyone's asking Jim questions and Jim's like look I'm Jim all right I might be a lady but my name's Jim let's just deal with that and everyone's like okay and there's no like discussion there's no like so to so what to say about it it's just like so that's kind of accepted and there's a very like laissez-faire attitude towards certain things on the high seas like how um homeboy who's the only person who can read or write has drawn everybody so he's basically seen everybody naked and, yeah like you know him and the guy who keeps lying just kind of like have a thing going on and no one really cares you know and how like anything's up for grabs in the high seas you know everyone's cool everyone's just like vibing i think it's not only because like there have been some other shows that are also pretty queer that do this and it's always very refreshing when it is done <clears throat> it's not like a part of the story like the fact that like okay wait, wait let me let me rephrase that so it makes more sense mm-hmm. like um the guy that like draws every person that's not part of his story that he's gay or that he's interested in men in any way or sort of form. It's another, it's sometimes used as like a joke, like when like he's drawing like that guy to like get off so that he, he isn't having to scrub like the, all the, the grossness off the barnacles yeah. off the ship. Like it's used for like a joke in like that sense, but it's never something that's delved in seriously. Like, oh, he has to deal with like homophobia because like the other people on the ship aren't okay with it. Like they like casually bring it up and like they're very clearly very comfortable about it and it's refreshing to see that's a non-issue like it's not weird he's not different it's just i mean it's just him like the guy comes in and he's like oh oh that's some of your best work i think you've like really captured the likeness there's no like fear that he's drawing it there's no mention like oh like why are you only drawing that part it's not even like confusion anything like that he's just like that's some of your best work because like artistically, I guess it was some of his best work. And that was it. Nothing else needed to be said. I think that's a part of the special sauce is that it's like, and that made it, has made it so explosive of a show is like, it's the combination of both the lack of homo and transphobia. Um, and so that it's just people, queer people existing, but also that the queer people are the main characters. Um, <clears throat> and also that, if there is a love story, the queer love story, and there are several, but the queer love story is the main story. Like there, there are now, we now have enough television, enough things to say like, oh, like the Owl House, for example. Um, Like we have a story here and the main couple is, is queer. And that's a huge win. The difference with our flag means death is the story is the love story. Um, and that's that and between that and the lack of homophobia as well is just combined into this little package of of absolute dynamite to every little gay person watching <laughs> because yeah. it's it's such i hate to say it but it's such a kind of perfect fantasy that most people especially people in the lgbtq community will never actually get to experience like they'll never be able to one casually fall in love with their best friend which is like that's a pretty stereotypical like um fan fiction um romance story just like trope in general that's like one of the biggest tropes um but also 
to have that happen and nobody cares. No one's like yelling at you. No one's saying that you're like wasting your life or that, you know, like you're sinning, you're going to hell. Everyone's just like, okay. They're like, okay, well, they're together. Okay. Mm -hmm. All they're digging. Yeah, like love stories shouldn't be subtext. Like just say what you're going to say. Just do it, you know, like make it happen. Like, I don't want longing glances. I don't want like long strokes. I don't want long hugs. Like, I don't want to stare at each other's eyes and smile look at each other. Like, if I'm I done. I want a slow burner. AO3 is still I'm up and done. running. I'm I am tired of crumbs. I have been given Please. a meal. I mean, I've yes. seen a lot of people say this, whatever. They're like, unfortunately, the show has ruined me because now I can't go back. I can't go back. I can't go back. Except nothing less. Can I? Don't stop accepting less. Can I? Tangent off on something really quick. That's another. It's something nothing less. Yes. Good. You guys can make fun of me all you want, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I've mentioned this. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it on a podcast, but I might have mentioned this to you specifically, Monica, just like off podcast. Mm-hmm. But I went and saw Sonic Two the day it came out, as I should. Um, <laughs> as I should. And here's the thing: <clears throat> no movie ever that will ever ever come out after that movie has any excuse left because mm. in the middle like obviously Wait, there's gay people in sonic too no not there's not gay people not gay people we're not oh, quite damn. there we're not quite damn. there not but it is still incredible because if you go to see sonic 2 like one you kind of are aware that's more directed towards children like it's yeah. not like an adult movie by any stretch of the imagination mm. um and also you're probably going to watch sonic you know, like that's the reason you're going. You're watching Sonic. You enjoy playing the games. I'm Maybe here for Knuckles. Yeah. Oh, I'm here it's for you. Knuckles. Well, yeah, I just meant like Sonic, like the Sonic universe. That's why you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, like, I think this is right about near the climax of the movie, not the final battle, but like leading up to the final battle. There's a time when every other character is either incapacitated or like kidnapped or whatever. And guess who steps up to save the day? A secondary and a tertiary character who are two strong, dark-skinned black women. Not yeah, like yeah, not yeah. like dark dark skin, but dark skinned black women yeah, didn't feel forced. They were, they were just yeah. at the wedding. Everyone else was gone. They happened to have gadgets on them because like one of the other characters dropped it. They're like, we gotta break these men out of the out yes, of the prison. And they go oh. and they do it. And there's a tire like eight minute scene of them kicking all the CIA's asses, yes. at, like shooting their guns, throwing their boobooigs, knocking everyone out. And guess what? Yeah. They save them. These women don't get captured. They mm. rescue the day. Period. They bring all the heroes Period. out and like, okay, now that we have all of them, let's go. Guess what that wasn't? That wasn't mm. advertised anywhere. That wasn't any trailers, any promotions. That wasn't the movie pushing out and be like, oh, we have this really woke scene. I had, no- I paid attention to everything mm. about Sarkie before the movie mm. came out. I didn't see a single whisper of that scene anywhere online until after the movie came out. If Sonic 2, a children's movie, can have two speaking black female characters saving the day with no need to push it, no need to advertise it, no need to say that we are so woke for doing this, and it succeeds and it's necessary to the plot and they save the day because of that, there is no excuse for any movie ever in the future to argue that they couldn't have minorities saving the day. Or they couldn't yeah, yeah. have, or just it wouldn't work within the universe right. to have these characters helping. Or it wouldn't work in the universe for these characters to save the day. There's no excuse. A like, children's I'm... movie did it and did it flawlessly. I have no complaints. I fear yeah. between Sonic 2, along with uh, the bad guys, beating the shit out of Fantastic Beasts in the theater. Absolutely. Uh, as in the theater box office. Um, 
and what you have just described, I fear Sonic 2 may be a masterpiece. It, no, it is. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I will say it. I, I mean, mean, we already knew because we, we right. stand. Obviously, obviously it's still a meme. But, but like, yeah. but, but on like a completely serious note, not just like being funny and quirky, there's no excuse. Right. It was not pushed anywhere. It wasn't the studio trying to be woke. It ma- just made sense. Those were the characters that like weren't incapacitated because like, guess what? Like they were women. They weren't seen as a threat. They weren't like, oh, and then guess what? They became a threat and they saved the day. And that was yeah. the end of the story. And that's all that needed to be said because that's all that needed to happen. Now I have to watch the movie. Now I have yeah. to. You could probably I mean, just find that like 10 minute clip like I online already if you really wanted want to. See it. No, I really wanted to see it. Oh, you did? I okay, to. I wasn't yeah. sure if you really yeah. But yeah, definitely go see yeah. it. It's, it's a fun a, movie. It's cute. The, the last movie that I saw in a theater before the pandemic actually went over Valentine's Day weekend in 2020. I went and I saw a double feature. I went to a fancy theater to go see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I had already seen with a press screener. So this Uh was the second time I was seeing it with my partner. We went for a big, like we got like drinks and food or whatever. And then the next day we went to Times Square to see Sonic, the first one. Sonic was the last movie that That I watched before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like... I'm still not comfortable to like go into a theater and I live near a movie theater now, but I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to, but I'm like, I feel like spiritually it needs to be Sonic 2. I feel um, like you could also, you could play it fairly safe. Like if you were able to go in the day yeah. um, and if you like yeah. got tickets beforehand, you could see like how big the, how full the movie theater yeah. is. It's just like, like yeah. it's just like, I was like, I'm going to sit in my house with my big screen TV and like be able to eat snacks and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm like sit there with my stupid mask anyways I'm, I'm off topic here but also the thing you were saying about like that there's no fucking excuse is how i felt when i watched eternals i was really late i was really late to watching eternals i waited until it hit disney plus because i didn't want to go to the movie theater or whatever mm-hmm. um and i know there was mixed reviews for it whatever and i actually quite i actually quite enjoyed eternals i think there a lot of it was a letdown for me because it felt like oh this should have been a series like yeah. you yeah. this this was like the not the end game. This was the Avengers movie for a group of people who we had not had the time to learn about. Um, mm. And the character Fastos, I loved so much. Mm. And um, like actually all the characters, I feel like a lot could have been done with them or whatever. And so I think it kind of did them a disservice. But even so, I liked certain parts of the movie. Um, and while Fastos and his husband are not, they are not the main romance in the movie. And As they I think, should be. I think that, that part, that part sucks. Um, they're not the main romance in the movie. The, the fact that in a major Marvel movie that was in the theaters, um, not just a gay romance, but like they are a married couple between two men of color, two non-white people. Yeah. And it was, and it was, and they were integral to the plot in that, like, and that's like his love for his husband and his family um, taught him to love humanity again. Right. I was like, I don't trust Marvel, but that was kind of Yas and Slay. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, people who know me know that I'm an idiot and that I try to ask for better from Star Wars, even though beating down the door of the mouse is the stupidest fucking thing I've I've ever done. I mean. Um, but I'm I'm literally like, okay, so and I was like, okay, Marvel, Marvel has now had two non-white men kiss on screen in a Marvel movie right. and then have that character 
like whip ass after that and like actually mm-hmm. be very yas and very slay afterwards um they had that movie was banned in several countries multiverse of madness is apparently banned in several countries because of america chavez mm. um and i was like if Mar- okay marvel's done it uh they got the owl house um you know they had a gay character in jungle cruise and it's not great but like they've done it in a couple other things Star Wars, what the fuck is your excuse? Right. What the fuck it's is time. your excuse at this point? Like, it's time. If I don't see a gay, if I don't see two women kissing in the Ahsoka series, it is going to be hands. It is going to be, I will be coming to your house. It, will um, be, it won't be hands. It will be fists. Yeah. It will be fists. <laughs> Literally, and it, and that was kind of, the, that was very much the sad part for me. I was like, I was like, oh, Marvel actually did the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Star Wars, hello. Hello? Hello? Yeah, Hello? This, this also um, speaks to, like, filmmaker intent. Like, this is what I was thinking about a lot when I was watching the show. And, like, in the same way when you're talking about um, Eternals and we're talking about uh, Sonic as well. Like, I knew that Sonic was basically a movie where it's taking a video game character. And I was like, like, oh, nostalgia movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was going to go see it. Like, I was going to go watch it because I love Ben Schwartz. And I think he's an amazing yeah. actor. And I'm so happy that he has, like, this huge role in a huge movie. Because he's a really great actor. And he deserves. And for Sonic 2 to be doing so well in the box office and also have that scene mm-hmm. in the movie that highlights two characters in a film in which any other film, they would simply be side characters. Like Natasha Rockwell would simply be the funny side relief character and Tika Sumter would simply be the girlfriend, the love interest, the side character. She would just pop up every once in a while because, you know, we got a girl of melanin in here. So you know what I mean? But to utilize them because they were seen as not threats because they are both women and because they are both black women and to see, use them as threats in the movie to see like, oh, these are not people to be messed with. is something that speaks to the intent of filmmakers when you're making a movie, you're making a TV show, you're writing out your story. What is the end point? What is the plot? Where are we going with this story? And in our needs death you know Jenkins talked about in an insider article how like of course there was something gonna happen with Steed and Ed and Darby said this as well because like when you're building the blocks in place to connect with two characters the actors need to do this too and Darby and Watiti are already friends in real life but it goes deeper than that and you have to go further than that on screen so when you keep going further down that journey towards something that may not be expected or something that may be seen by certain people not by other people you, it's your job to make it feel real and to make it genuine and to connect in that way and there are people who wanted to go that way so if you're going to go that way you need to make it meaningful because those stories mean something to people you know like seeing the romance in eternals seeing you know my beautiful wonderful amazing brian Ty- tyree henry be married to that wonderful man have a wonderful son and where is he ass. is is he safe is he all right please <laughs> i need him to come back to the mcu please honestly i seeing him kick ass is great and it's so wonderful and it sucks that like the movie wasn't given its due yes it should have been a series that we could flesh out the characters a bit more maybe we could learn more about how they met and like you know how they got to know each other and that marriage is important because the relationship did you know make him believe in humanity once more and it just shows that like show like showrunners and writers that are okay with like queer coding 
or like having good rapport and innate chemistry in their characters and like stringing um, fans along to make believe that like, oh yeah, these characters are gonna like kiss. You know, like the whole thing. You remember the Teen Wolf video? When, we don't talk about when, that. We don't talk about that. That? I have no idea what you're talking about. That is a perfect example of like you being okay with fans thinking a certain way so they tune into your show so they watch your show so they talk about your show so they drive up the trends on social media and bring more popularity to your show but not following through on it or don't say it you string people along for years and years and years don't say it don't say it i'm just saying like sometimes don't don't we can't go down the only thing i'm saying is that you need to stop being a coward don't be well, a coward. The thing you said about um intent, I think and yeah. that's the I think that's the thing that people um with I know this this was a bit of a conversation with what we do in the shadows for a bit. Like once people realize, oh Guillermo and Nandor, they're gonna be a thing. Like mm-hmm. I even had this moment of like, Oh wait, they're not baiting me. They're mm-hmm. just developing a love story over several seasons, like a, any normal show would start to have yeah. uh, like a Jim and Pam comes to know each other. I knew you were going to say that and I hated like, it before you even whatever, said it. Whatever, but like, I was like, oh, is this what it feels like for it to be normal? I, yeah. I don't know what this feels like. With right. with our flag means death, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it happened over a very short amount of time and mm-hmm. with uh, what we do in the shadows is very different. So people were like, oh, were they baiting people, whatever, and I was like, it was kind of like what David Jenkins said where he was like, I didn't know what queer baiting was, whatever, because I, I, I didn't realize how big of a thing this was because we just, mm-hmm. we just, we just make the story like that from the beginning or when, you know, when we conceived of the next season or whatever, like when they talk about what we do in the shadows, they're like, we're like, okay, I think maybe this is a thing we want to do or whatever. Like people are just, people are just, and I think this is a part of the reason why people go apeshit crazy is like, mm-hmm. we're not used to it being nor being natural and being normal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, with what we do in the shadows, like, you know, there's when people were like, "Oh, is it queer bait? Is it not?" And they're like, "No, no, it's it's it, it's it's this is what it feels like to be normal." And I I I'm almost I'm almost I'm almost scared yeah. to mm-hmm. to sit mm-hmm. in it. And then like with with our flag means death, it was like we got ten episodes, and by the end they just kissed straight on the mouth, and people were like, "I mean, I I I knew that it that it was like you're asking like how do we get into the show, um." My co-hosts on my podcast, they were, um, a couple of them are, like, super obsessed with it. Because, like, there's not a lot of Star Wars out right now. So, like, all of us are interested in different things right now. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them were, like, tweeting about it a lot. And then I started to see some people on TikTok and, like, some other people talk about it a lot. And I was like, what the fuck is this show? Like, what is going on? And I was, like, focused on other things, whatever. And then I saw a bunch of people start talking about it. And then I think we're around, like, episode eight, maybe. Um... I finally had time to watch it and my my partner and I sat sat down and we caught up and I think we watched like last two maybe as they came out or maybe last one as it came out or something like that and um I by the time I I like caught up with everybody else because I was late to the game like I missed the part where people thought they were going to be queer baited like for that very short amount of time people thought Mm -hmm. they were going to be queer baited and that's when David Jenkins was like I mean no but like no spoilers mm. but like no um mm-hmm, and and people like didn't believe that so like i went into it knowing that it was gonna be gay because i was late but i still was like sure jan we'll see yeah. and then it was and the out of body experience that i had like it was 
to give you <laughs> we were staying at my at my partner's uh parents house and we were watching it downstairs on on their t- on their tv and their their dad their dad and their mom go to bed really early so like and by really early like we're watching it at nine o'clock at night and their parents are already in bed and we are watching this and then like ed and steed kiss on the mouth um i think it was that and also the you wear fine things well part whatever mm-hmm. and like claire and i we were like getting out of our chairs and because we couldn't start screaming crying and throwing up we like we were getting out of our chairs and just like right. silently like running around like holy shit right. like i i had an out of i had an out of body experience because i was like even knowing i still i still i had to i had to see it with my own eyes to believe it like i i i i wasn't gonna i mean it was almost kind of like November 5th <laughs> like mm-hmm. I had to see that shit with my own eyes to believe it I couldn't I c- didn't process in my brain that this is a real thing that's happening and like there and uh, as we've been saying like there's an increase in in a lot of queer representation it's not like there isn't there's a I mean there is a dearth of queer representation but like not, not like there aren't other things I can watch whatever but like this was this was something very very specific mm-hmm. yeah you are i i don't i i just love the show i guess is what i'm saying mm-hmm. and another thing about the show is that like it reminds me of killing eve you know because oh, like we've all watched it like i've seen seasons one through three and i'm in the middle of season four right now and as much as i love the show and the styling and the costumes and the writing and the acting like christina Oh my gosh, babe. She's giving everything. She is really <laughs> killing it in this show. But oh my gosh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you better stop playing around with me, all right? Because I already had to come to terms with the fact that Fleabag is never coming back. But now you're doing this to Phoebe me. Phoebe Waller-Bridge only did the first season. They they changed showrunners for season two. and I think they changed showrunners every season. I think oh. she's still technically like an executive producer, but they oh. changed showrunners every season. Uh, I gotta check who it is for two, three, and four. All right. Yeah. So whoever it is that is in charge of the other two seasons, especially season three, especially season three, I don't know what y'all are doing over there, but it's what we go back to. Like, you spend so much time watching these TV shows that you love and you admire, and as characters that you relate to, these characters are like, you feel deep in your soul, like, this is me, this person's like me, I see myself in this person, and for so long, I talked about this last week in our podcast, for so long, like, me as a Black woman, I've had to watch shows where white people are the, like, antagonists and protagonists, where white people get the happy ending, where they get the guy, they get the girl, and I have to somehow, subway, dig deep within and try to find a little semblance of myself in these characters but with new shows coming out every single year every single month every single week it's really just like bringing to terms how like we don't have to settle like when I was younger I had to settle for the little scraps that I could get I don't have to do that anymore you know, as much as I love Doctor Who, I'm never rewatching that show again. Watching Doctor Who is like going through every single stage of grief 10 times over in every single season. And I don't need to subject myself to that no more. Okay. I like Man, Supernatural. If we're talking about gay pirates, no. we can we can actually discuss Doctor no. Who right now. Um, no. <laughs> I would like to take a second for those of you who are caught up on Doctor Who or who want to catch up. 
Um, people have been for making real. edits from with our flag means death and the uh, Doctor Who Easter special. I haven't seen the Easter special. I'll, all I'm gonna say is this: shot for shot, shot for shot, Babe, shot no. for shot. And gay people, like, yes, the Doctor has technically been queer before, but gay people, we are winning. Like, we're gonna lose because we're losing the Doctor, and obviously, we're gonna lose Yaz. But we're also us. winning. We're also winning. Um, I don't know if it's going to feel like a win, but we're winning. If you're um, someone who wants to find a show that's like queer and supernatural, Winona Earp is a show I would highly recommend. It's very good. All four seasons are on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a fifth season, but it's really, really good. And it's similar to Supernatural, where there's the chosen one archetype. There's the gun that kills just about everything in its sight. And of course, they lose it half the time. But there's people of color and there's actual queer Damn, people, I forgot about funny. the special little gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They forgot about it, too. So you're not alone. about the special little gun. They forgot about it, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, there aren't like 200 different kind of creatures and they stick to the same four creatures. It's just demons and like other type, various types of demons in the show. It's pretty good. Like you should definitely. I'm recommending both of you watch it oh. because I am obsessed with I've it. Seen, I've seen good. too much from that fandom. I can't. I can't. You, you, I can't do it. Claudia. I can't do it. No, you have I can't to. Do it. You have to, darling. You have I to can't watch it. Do it. Yes, you can. Because I'm telling you right now. I know. I know. Legends of Tomorrow is a fun little gay rom. I'm not watching that. Don't, people. Don't, people are like CW. the rest of the CW, CW. The rest of the CW, the CW DC verse no. is bad. But apparently, Legends of Tomorrow. Was Legends good. of Tomorrow is the only. I am not caught up, but it's the one that I have Isn't watched the most. Legends of. of Tomorrow, the show where it had the scene with the blue monster yep, mm-hmm. fighting the. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're all right. No, you are correct. Yeah, but you know what? That's camp. Yeah. Mmm, I went over that. <laughs> Emerald Fennel? Isn't she the one that uh, did Promising a Woman? Um, let me check. Sorry, um... Claudia just sent us a chat in the in our Zoom telling us, telling me that the second series of, of yes. Killing Eve was show run by Emerald Fennel. And if that's so, true, I have some thoughts. She start, she's, she's an actor who started a bunch of stuff like she started in call the midwife she played camilla on the crown as a writer director she was the yeah. showrunner of season two of killing eve which earned her two primetime emmy award nominations um and she made her feature film directorial debut with the thriller promising young woman mm-hmm. for which she won the academy award for best original screenplay and received nominations for best picture and best director becoming one of only seven women and the first british woman to be nominated for the latter i have some thoughts on that movie but we yeah. don't have to get into that today yeah we don't have to get into it today she's apparently bet she was in anna karenina the danish girl she's in a, she's in a lot of shit um a lot of white women stuff. Yeah. See a pattern. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's a she's a white British actor. I could probably guess half of those things, <laughs> yeah. but her going in and and just going and doing everything in uh, screenwriting was uh, an interesting turn there. So. Yeah, I mean, good for her. You know, shout out to her, Queen, and um, getting back to. Um, we were talking about uh, with uh, Our Flag Means Death. Another thing I really like about the show is the fact that like a lot, it, the show is a good representation 
of like how there are a lot of new shows coming out with like easily just like queer romances in there. Like another show I could mention is Sex Education, which I think is a good show that shows like the different varieties oh of romances in there. I'm gonna say this. I've, I've no, because I have another show that I was gonna bring show. up. Because I was another show I have to bring let up. You brought this up, so I get to bring this up. Okay, let me say this real quick. Sex Education is a great show. Everyone should watch it. It is amazing. It is wonderful. I do not ship Eric and Adam. I know that in season three, they kind of get a little more wholesome and we like them a little bit more. Are they the I... one who it's like he starts dating his bully? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, fuck that. Ola and Lily are superior. Ola and Lily are better. I knew that Ola was queer when she started dating um, Otis. Because I was like, oh, girl, the overalls so and the haircut. Yeah. And he kind of looks like a lesbian too. So I was like, no, girl. We 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 know what's really going on here. That so show, that show just makes me mad because I'm just like, just make Otis asexual. Like he clearly was. The first season ticked me off so much in so many different ways. I, I was think like, Otis and Maeve are just too complicated and they're oh too my... young for all this mess. They're too yeah. young to be dealing with all this little like back like, and forth. Damn. It's not that okay, deep. Euphoria High. Those are doing like... these skins vibes right here. No, see, like, you guys are bringing this up and it's nothing compared to what I'm about to bring up. Okay. Oh, no. What are you going to bring up then? You're going to bring up Euphoria. Talk about it. No, I'm not going to bring up Euphoria. <laughs> I'm bringing up Elite. Oh! I haven't watched Elite. What it is. That? It's a Netflix show. It's um, it's a Spanish show. But I, I it puts you. Netflix shows. It puts yeah. Euphoria to shape, specifically season five, because season five just came out. So that's what everyone's talking about right now. The way that neither of you two watching the entire season would believe that there is a single straight character in the show. It that's, takes place- That's it, very essence It takes place in a high school, so it's still very much that Euphoria vibe. That's what made me think of it, the Euphoria vibe. But like, there is, there is the lesbian drama. There is the gay drama. There is basically every type of like, uh, intersectional, um, different like people of working classes and like the elite, because obviously like it's a rich private school. So there's obviously people like, super wealthy it's the mix of all of them and it's all so incredibly gay in every single way and specifically season five people are commenting i don't think there's a single straight person in all of season five is it a like spain like spanish show or where is it from um, it takes the school is in spain i believe yeah okay so it takes place in spain and the language okay. is spanish obviously okay so it's a spanish production mm-hmm um, but it is either sponsored through Netflix. Yeah, it's either sponsored through Netflix. Yeah, it is a Netflix original, so it's sponsored through Netflix. If it's a, if it's a, if it's a, ne- I'm, I'm gonna look it up because you said it was called. Uh, just uh, Elite. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. Obvi- yeah. It's um, been recommended to me a lot because I watch Vis a Vis and also mm-hmm. um, Money Heist. Yeah, so yeah, it would make sense to get recommended. Money Heist to you. is my mom's favorite. It's good, but um, but yeah. So and that's another one. I brought this up earlier, but it's another example of yes, every single character in the school is gay, and nobody says anything about it. Mm-hmm. There is no like homophobia. There's no like character arc of like oh I have of uh, like oh like I'm gay in this school, but like everyone is straight and like they're all hating on me and like I feel like so attacked all the time and like everyone's a homophobe. No. Everybody's gay. There's no mention of any homophobia whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some people who have to come and like accept it like themselves. Like there's like story arcs like that, like having to like accept that they are gay and having to accept like this is a part of them. Mm-hmm. But there's none of that homophobia shit. Everybody's gay here. Right. We love to see it. I mean, we stand. And I think another yeah. thing I really like about our flag is death. Just want to get into like some little themes over the show. 
I think it's very interesting in the way that it looks at like toxic masculinity and how like you know you see Steed struggle with it a lot with his like past uh, recollections of like dealing with his father and his father is so harsh and mean and so rude to him and even though like Steed has to deal with accidentally killing two people and the burden of that and even though it's like something that's like kind of happened is happenstance to him he never really like he never loses sight of who he is like he never really like loses sight of the fact that he is someone who's like soft and gentle and like caring and compassionate especially to his crew members and to those around him even to the people who like generally don't like him he's not even like that harmful towards them like when he finds out that his wife literally like has a dog he's upset but it's not like he like threatens to like go have a duel with this guy which would be an accurate response and an understanding response especially in that time period which he lives in but he's just kind of like oh you know I'm, I'm glad you found a person I'm glad you found your person in comparison to like Blackbeard who possibly does is comfortable with his own like sexuality but because he has been so hurt by Steed at the end of the show he kind of reverts back into Blackbeard into like this cocoon and this shell of like violence that protects him from feeling his feelings even though we see him like crying and sobbing in Steve's own room after he like throws out all his books like it's hard and like a lot of people I think don't like Izzy because some people do think that he's homophobic but I think Izzy is just like it's in- this internalized homophobia <laughs> I think Izzy is kind of just like not that but Izzy's kind of like his Alfred in a way where he's just like he's just looking out for him like he's just trying to have his back I did kind of think that Izzy was like a little you know because like everybody Izzy, is Izzy is both gay and homophobic at the same time which is very common so it's very realistic <laughs> Can we take just his rights away just their rights away when they were about to throw him off the ball I was like let's go yeah hurry let's up go. come on yeah you, I was like goodbye <laughs> take care of it you know like nobody likes him. It's like it has to be hard on like even your friends are just kind of like, yeah, you can go in to see. We don't care. I he, I hope he has a whole whole arc. Maybe he'll have a love story with someone. Maybe he'll he'll have a gay awakening. I hope. Maybe so. Maybe he'll get a dog. I don't know. Maybe he'll get scurvy. Oh, they did the scurvy plot. They can't be like that. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. I mean. It is the 18th century. You know, anything happened. True. A lot of people got scurvy, so I guess it'd be realistic. I heard yeah. a thing that apparently the real Izzy Hands during the events of this time period was like a teenager, which is so funny to me. Somebody on TikTok was like, it reminds me of that one scene in the What We Do in the Shadows movie where they're like, how old are you? And he's like, 16. We yeah. have some really hard living. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Izzy Hands. Wait, yeah. how funny would it be if Izzy Hands was sixteen in this show, and he said like all the same lines, all yeah. exact same character, yeah. just sixteen? Yeah, that would be very realistic. Yeah, love to see it. It'd be it also explain why he's so self-hated and homophobic while being so incredibly gay. That's and a very sixteen-year-old self coming yeah. into your own thing to and do. He has a little crush on Blackbeard that he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to acknowledge. Yeah, that sounds like a sixteen-year-old to me. Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Just, I want to, I, I do want to shout out to. Um, we never talk about the side characters enough. I mean, we talk about uh, Jim oh, and yeah. Wande a little bit. Um, I love Wande. Oh, Wande, I love you, King. I, love I hope you. you're well. <laughs> oh my gosh! Also, homeboy with the bird. 
That's my guy right there. Is that buttons? No. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw a TikTok today that was like, what if um buttons has a whole magic arc because they're like, oh, like what? It, oh my god, it was. It was one of my mutuals on TikTok. I was talking about buttons, and I was like, oh, my God, go on. I love this conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. um, about, like, oh, he's going to get magic because of the sacrifice of the bird and, like, all this kind of stuff. And um, I was like, that would be so funny. That Um, would be dope. Be very funny to me. Um, Absolutely. Get it. Get queen. Yeah. (laughs) Frenchie. My icon. Frenchie. I love him. Yes. Um, the actor? Yeah, he's great. Oh, also, if we're talking about the actor, um, the actor for Frenchie and then uh, Kayvon, who is in um, What We Do in the Shadows, they're both in the mm-hmm. Corella movie together. And someone yes, who did a tweet with their are. two characters. Yes, yes, they are. They are in the Corella movie. I love that movie. I've seen it three times. That movie I, is so puzzling. It's so good. Because, number one, it is kind of bonkers. Yeah. The movie should have been like an hour shorter. Honestly, I'm okay with it being that long because I like it. Them dragging out the story, I don't mind it. Like I don't mind because I was pacing. I was the pacing of that film is crazy. Like mm. it's legitimately insane. Like they didn't the trash they, stress they, moment though. Yeah. Oh, that trash there's stress what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, what? I think. The woman who did the costumes for Cruella also did the costume for Mad Max, and I was like, okay, that's oh, why it's a serve. That. Also, that makes sense. let's be realistic. That outfit, the, the trash bag outfit, why was that not at the Met Gala in, what was it, 2019 with the with the Cagoibus camp? Exactly. That would have won. That would have destroyed exactly. every other outfit there. Also, Zendaya apparently can't go to the Met Gala this year, and I'm like, cancel. So I'm not going to watch it. Gala. <sighs> so I'm not, I feel no need to see anything so, involved with no it. No Beyonce, no Zendaya, no Rihanna. Hmm. Hmm. That's I... suspicious. Also, That's weird. Yeah. Also, I, I don't think Lady Gaga has gone in a long time either. Like, wow. Miss like, Ten and Shields. I. I can't. Yeah, Miss when was meat the last dress time... herself. Yeah, when I mean... is the last time somebody showed up in a meat dress? Like, come on, we gotta you shake can, it up. You can love, you can hate Lady Gaga, but what she was doing for the fashion industry, she was no girl was doing it like her. And I usually mean that in a positive way. Meat dress mm-hmm. is obviously a meme, yeah. but like the, the creativity and the confidence that it takes yeah. to always show up in something that objectively is straight off of the set of Wizards of Waverly Place, specifically Harper's Closet, on that case. takes Yeah, skill. yeah. Well, and also like. Also, the best year of the Met Gala was the Catholicism year. Um, that year, the, Chadwick Boseman, may you rest in peace. Your outfit, Gosh. icon. Every um, single outfit that night, it just like, it slayed. Like, Janelle Monae, Lene, Lena Janelle Monae mm-hmm. that night, obviously mm-hmm. Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many iconic looks that night. What was, I think it was, was it last year that Billy Porter, I mean, he, he always slays, but it was it last mm-hmm. year that when he came in on, like, people were carrying him in. I was like, I think you it was know the what? year before. Because last year's theme was America, and that oh, brought us an interesting one. That was also rough. the TikTokers there, too. So that it was, was the year rough. before. It was so bad. Yeah. American lexicon. First of all, what a horrible theme. Terrible also, theme. Also, why? It should have been Americana, because then yeah. I wanted to see people show up and, like, go full camp. I want to see you do supernatural cosplay. 
Like I want to see the Cowboys come out to play. Yeah. Right. Like where where's is Lil Nas gonna be at this Mount Gala? Lil Nas, Timothy Chalamet, Nico was a Brokeback Mountain moment. Like it was a long like, stare. You know, it was a glance. You know, do something, please. Are Lil Nas and uh, Lizzo gonna be there this year? Like I need some. They better be. They, we need some color. We need some flavor. Yes. Is Meg gonna be there? I, I know mean, she would kill it. Was she absolutely. there last year? She was. I think so. She was like all denim or something. Yeah, um, she was. Wasn't she the all denim dress or whatever? I see. Mm. It was. Come on, show up. I mean, that was a couple years ago. No, she for twenty twenty one. She has like the um. It's very bridal. Oh, but it's she like did pinned the, up. She, it's the half pinned up. She did the old Hollywood look. Yeah, very classic Hollywood. <sighs> yeah, there were a couple of people who were like, I'm going to do the old Hollywood look. And I'm like, come on. I mean, you can sure. do better than that. We can do that. But like, we can do this is else, the so. Met Gala. Like, this is, this is Halloween for rich people. Like, come on. Y'all gotta show up. I want the most out. dazzling thing ever. Yeah. Or I want it to be fucking stupid. Like, True. Yeah. No, I want I want someone to show up in full cosplay, like something, something. I mean, so Weedy's dress looked good, but that's because her her titties just sit in perfectly. But, As they yeah. should be. I feel like it would be racist if they weren't. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. congratulations to her stylist. Um, yeah, congratulations to her in general, because like, you know, she's so Weedy, so Weedy. I don't call her Sweetie. It's Sawiti. No, it's Sawiti. Her name is Sawiti. It is Sawiti. Isn't that yes. how it's normally pronounced? So, no, people pronounce it Sweetie. No, I didn't say that. Sawiti. I didn't say how do people pronounce it. I say how is it supposed to be pronounced? Sawiti. Sawiti. Sa people say Sweetie. It's Sawiti. Some people are white. <laughs> Sawiti. Okay, I, 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 I always thought, I was like, when people pronounced it Sweetie, I was like, that doesn't seem correct. But Listen. I was like... I don't know. I guess that's the way people are saying it's it. It did not tea. feel correct. She'll say it's sweetie, girl. It's sawiti. All right. S A W, sawiti. We say every syllable. Sawiti. Enunciate it. The A isn't silent. So, like, why is it there if we're not to call you sweetie? Like, sawiti. We have divulged from the point of how the podcast. How did we get? How did we get? How did we get here to the Met Gala? How did we get here? Well, we're gay people. The <laughs> Met Gala knows. was gonna come up. Yeah. Of course, we had. <laughs> you know, quickly, yeah. what would the our flag means death characters wear to the Met Gala? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's so, the thing: they would wear the exact costumes that they have on now, and it would be camp. I don't care what the theme is; they would like, still be the best looking ones. Yeah, there. I feel like Roach would come in like maybe a food inspired outfit. Yeah. Something else dazzling. Well, the year they did the theme was camp and peaked. Mm. But but there were a lot of people who did not understand the theme, and I was like, remember Carly Claus with her little no no I don't remember her be like <laughs> looking camp straight in the eye. Oh. She comes out with a bow on her titties. It's like, girl, we gotta do okay. better. All right. Why are you coming out here with like a very He's, simple, wait, wait, okay? Very I need basic, someone come out like, in a full L Woods cosplay. No, no. Like I need yeah. y'all are coming here just for the cotillion. Here's... I need something for the like I need something better. So I love I love I love camp absolutely, but I feel like so obviously that Met Gala was really good, amazing. It was like the peak. 
but it'd be so hard to ever do something like that again because part of what obviously there's different versions of camp but one of like the most authentic or whatever versions of camp that there is is it's the person doing it doesn't know that they're doing it that's when it comes across so amazing and so like perfect like there's an example they just dress like a fucking crazy person all the time there's this um example that i always go back to if i'm trying to explain camp to someone who's clearly not part of the community um there's this i don't know what to call her actress model singer i don't know Gigi gorgeous and she made a youtube video a while ago that was like shopping at walmart for the first time she was born upper middle class rich she had never been in walmart before she says that blah blah very unrelatable very clearly this isn't part of that target demographic She's walking in Walmart. She's hitting her shins on the uh, cart. She mentions like, oh, they need to redesign these carts. This is like dangerous. In the middle of the um, video, she sees a Mountain Dew, like two liter, just saying there, like on its shelf or whatever. She picks it up, opens it, starts drinking it, is continuing pushing her cart. And she looks over to a cameraman. She's like, I'm going to an event tomorrow. I need a gown. Do they sell gowns here? Complete like, like 100 dead serious. Camp. That's camp. That's she is- camp dressed in like jeans pushing a cart through walmart drinking a two liter of mountain dew that she did not pay for and has no idea that she has to asking if walmart sells gowns that is perfect camp that's camp that's americana and camp that is (laughs) something like that like she if she was aware that anything that she was doing was wrong it wouldn't be camp it wouldn't be funny but like that ignorance is like integral to it being so perfectly camp. yeah yeah i oh god i have a i have a friend on tiktok um shout out to fern one of the co-hosts of star wars english class who loves to give talks about camp um and obviously on my podcast we love to talk about how star wars is camp um because that's what it is you know like it's bad but like in a good way and like it doesn't realize like star wars takes itself seriously but it doesn't realize that it's bad sometimes (laughs) and i think that's the key is like it's not on purpose like they're trying to be good and in 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 that way like the star wars prequels like the star wars prequels are camp and they are amazing that's that is camp in its purest form because it's like it is taking itself as serious as it can Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not doing it on purpose whatever and yet it's fucking bonkers like yeah the parts of the movie where i can where i can see um on mace windu's bald head Mm -hmm. i can see the green screen reflected on his head that is camp that is camp (laughs) Also, every time Obi-Wan Kenobi makes, like, a joke, it is so bad, it is so perfectly timed, it is the writers did not realize that they were striking absolute gold. The prequels will yeah. only get better as more time goes oh, on. Oh, it's it ages like a fine one, and people are like, oh, I think the same thing will happen with the sequels, and, like, may- maybe, maybe they will, but, like, with the prequels, <laughs> like, true. George Lucas, he but really, see- he, put, he put everything into that, and then it was, like, I don't like saying it's coarse and rough. And like, if you think about that whole scene, you pick it apart, whatever. It's actually like, he's being very honest and he's talking about his like, poor upbringing. And also like a 19 year old boy definitely talks like that, whatever. But also, once again, he does not realize that what he's saying sounds so fucking stupid. That is camp. Exactly. And part of the reason, yeah, part of the reason why the prequels work so well as camp is because you can tell that everyone working on 
Okay, everyone writing, everyone in the writing room, everyone in the costume um, department, everyone in the special effects, everyone, all the actors fully believed that they were making the next greatest films in the world. There was not a doubt were. in any of their minds. And they were. And it's and that, were. that like wholehearted belief that you know that every single person working on the project had that makes it even more amazing, even funnier going back and watching it. Because you're like, they absolutely believed that they, it's like I, the irony went full circle. Like, it's like, oh my God, it's so funny that they thought that this was going to be like the next greatest series ever. I mean, and like, it's and full it circle now. It's like, no, because they really believed and they were right. Yeah. Like, and like I don't like in the Phantom Menace, you're mm. like, you're like, they are putting everything into Padme's outfits. Like we, I got, see shit. we, we got Duel of the Fates. Like we like we got like we have like just the greatest moments in cinema, but also in that final battle that um <laughs> The final battle on like the field in Naboo, it does look like mm-hmm. a Windows ninety five desktop yeah. wall. Because it was, yeah. and you're like, and you're like, this is the epitome of camp right here. Yeah. And you're like, it also was the pinnacle of technology at that time, so it really was serious. Like, you're like, you know what? This is, you know, this is whatever. But like, it ages. It ages like a. That's the other thing I think about camp is like, it ages like a fine wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's some parts of the Star Wars prequels that don't age well, but yeah. <laughs> but like Edmund Camp in general, like it ages so well because it was just bonkers from the start. Um, good lord, how do we get here? Um, our flag oh, means our flag means death can't be camp because I mean, it was always trying to be funny. That literally like bays moon bays every night. But it's comedy. It's comedy. It was trying to be funny. It wasn't trying that hard, though. I feel like they got... We'll see. This this is literally fresh off the dock. Okay, we need Mm -hmm. to give it, like, give it a year. Give it a couple of years. Let's go back. Let's let's see how we feel. Right now, we can just accept it as an amazing, funny show with great queer representation. Yeah. And we can see if we can also have it be camp in the future. Yeah. You know what's the camp part is, like, all the, like, clearly bad CGI? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Tiger? (laughs) Like, not even the tiger. Like, just, like, the sea in the background and stuff like that. You're like, hmm, that's Mm -hmm. camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we're definitely at sea right now. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't Let's on the Warner it. Brothers lot at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. I think uh, we've gone through a lot in the show. I just want to give like some last kind of points. Um, oh, one thing I want to say is that I love how like in the beginning when Steed and Mary were giving like each other their gifts for their anniversary, they were literally just representations of the life they want to live if they mm-hmm. were married. Like Steed gave her a boat, which was like, she was like, I don't know what you want with the boat for. Like, I don't know why I want to be a pirate. And he, and she gave him a painting and then she wanted to be a painter, you know, like an artist. And I love that, like, when we're watching the show, you don't even consider the fact that he left his wife and kids behind, which is kind of like something that you jump back to back and forth and like the flashbacks that he has and he reconsiders like the decision he made. And when he goes back to 
his old life, you know, to see what's going on with Mary, she's perfectly fine and widowed and happy because when you read like kind of journals and stories of the 18th century and those kind of times where like women depend on men to make money and like put food on the table so they can live a prosperous life because, you know, men are the ones with the big accounts and the jobs and like women stay at home. Her being a widow was the best thing to happen to her because she didn't have to stay home with her boring husband that she didn't want to be married to in the first place and she could pursue the things she wanted to pursue and be friends with the other widows who also didn't miss their husbands that much. And it's like that fun little thing where it's like, oh, there's this old woman. She was a widow. She was so sad. But her best friend, you know, Stephanie, always came around by every Sunday night after mass and just spent time with her at tea. It's like, no, it wasn't her friend. No. They were more than friends. Yeah, when they, no, they went away with each other. When are they gonna make Mary into into a lesbian? Let's let's, let's see. see. Let's see how 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 long we have to wait for that to happen. Possibly not too long, but I think it was really, I think it was really. I'm glad that like they kind of came to a decision where he was able to kind of just like leave his past behind mm-hmm. and really be a pirate. Not um, like have to. I think like. I do think that him searching to want to be a pirate was him still looking for like the little piece of masculinity that his father wanted him to have. But like he really could let that go and just be himself. Yeah. And jumping back really quick to the gift thing that you said, that hit me. It's a little bit cheesy. Okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it hit me because it was like, because we get the impression after the first couple of episodes that like he actively doesn't like his wife. Or like, you know, since there was an arranged marriage, like they hate each other, you know, the stereotype, like, oh, there was arranged marriage, so there's no chemistry between them. They despise each other. They were forced mm-hmm. into this. They don't care. But like, mm-hmm. they went out, of, they both went out of their way to get very thoughtful gifts. It was just thoughtful things that were special to them. You know, like they're both yeah. like giving something that they truly 100% care and love. It's just, it's not something that the other person relates to or not something that the other person wants. They're still actively going out of their way to try and to show that they like care. They just don't see eye tie. They're not able to communicate that, but the effort is still being put in. And that's sadder yeah. than if it was just like them just hating each other or them just like never yeah. seeing eye tie or if there was like no effort put in. Yeah. Yeah. And also shout out to the side characters. Shout out to Leslie. You know, Leslie Jones, our queen from SNL. Oh my god, hey, icon. Being amazing as Spanish Jackie. And shout out to Fred Armisen for being hilarious. You know, we'd love to see it. And all the other characters. Because the great thing about the show is that, like, it's hard to do really good comedy shows with, like, a large cast of characters and have everybody feel like they're their own person. And even though there were a couple characters that we didn't really get to touch on, like Steed and, like, you know, Buttons, they were still characters that, you know, you would see them and like, it's like, oh, this is my friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I I really do love Olawande and I love Frenchie to death. Like, he is phenomenal. Like, John Fry is an amazing actor. And I also love that, you know, our boy Hordor was in the show. Shout out to Hordor. You know, we love you. We see I literally, you. as soon as he we came stand. out, I was like, Hodor? <laughs> my mom didn't notice i was like mom oh yeah i'm like hodor is in whatever and she was like what and i was like yeah he's on the ship like mom right like there. look she was like oh my god how did i not notice yes. i was like how did you not like he's so recognizable right we do love to see it that hbo contract coming in I clutch mean, yes come on he got from you know we, we love to see our wonderful actors employed and happy and you know living it up um 
Is there anything else you guys want to say? Because I don't feel like there's anything else that I can say. Um, mm. I do recommend everybody watches what we do in the shadows. Uh, can't wait for season four to come out. It's a really great show. It's going to be my Joker. Um, so good. Mm. So funny. Laszlo, if I see you, it's on site. Oh my god, <laughs> It's on site. That finale was crazy. And also Guillermo. I relate to Guillermo so much. Being the person that overworks himself, doing everything for everybody else and not taking care of yourself, but always putting in all this time and effort into things and hoping that it pays off in the end. I get it. Guillermo, I see you. And we love you. Okay. Guillermo's journey to realizing that he's gay may have cinematic excellence. Bro. <laughs> like... I also oh. want to see Beanie Feinstein in the show again. Oh my god, I she hope was... she comes back. Yes, I want to see her as like a fully realized vampire, you know? It see could be she... possible because she's in New York right now because she's on Broadway. And I'm sure they film at least some of it here in New York. Please. Um, so. We just, it's all I'm asking. Please, just like a little bit of Beanie. A little bit of beanie to feed my soul. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. All in all, 10 out of 10 would watch again. And probably mm-hmm. will watch again. Like, this is probably one of the very few shows that I will watch again. But including Dairy Girls, it's a show that is, season four is coming out soon. It's also the last season, and I'm really sad about that. And I understand that Bridgerton is taking Nicola away, but I still want Dairy Girls to go on forever. It's one of my favorite shows. It's on Netflix. It's very, very good. It's really funny. I've heard very good things. Yeah. Also, we can't we can't talk about Bridgerton because like season one has a lot of things to love. Also, has season a lot two of is questionable things. Season two feels like a whole goddamn different show. Yeah, yeah, I will say that it does. I'm like, holy the shit! The way people are talking about it really feels like it's something completely different. Whole different show, and like, I... it sucks. Cause like, I like, I really like the Duke character. I think that's mm-hmm. why season one kind of pissed me off. Cause I was like, why would you do that? Why would you do? Why? What's really the reason? I did like this character. The actor is a very talented actor. Like oh, he's really talented. I really loved mm-hmm. his his very whole storyline. Yes. Like yeah, everything. Yeah. And they were like, "What if we included the sexual assault from the books?" No, that and wasn't like, needed. Of all the things to choose to include from the books and not mm-hmm. to include from the books, mm-hmm. that was one that was on the not to include list. That was what one that we was could have forgotten reason? about. What if was the reason? To, if we get to learn more about his friend, who's a boxer, then I might watch it. Like. I'm down for the road. Oh, he's in season I, two. I, I know. I just want to know more about him. Like, I want him to be yeah. more fleshed out. You know, I love Jonathan Bailey. I love my girl from Sex Education. I love, like, two of them together. Of course, they're a beautiful couple. I love the, you know, forbidden romance. You know, the, like, I love that. But, like, it's not enough for me. I need more. I just need a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we'll give it a look. They're also doing a prequel series with uh, the Queen. They are. And they are the one woman who is older than everybody but doesn't have a husband. Oh, a Lady Danbury. Yeah. Well, she it's, it's well, it's because her her husband died. She's a widow. Oh, she's a widow. She's a widow. Okay. And she is happy. I mean, yeah. I like I Bridgerton season two and Our Flag Means Death kind of came out at the same time, and I was like. Since season two, I thought was a lot better also than season one. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think mayhaps romance has come back to television. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. True. Mayhaps. The I romantic mean... era. That seems so weird saying that because of the yeah. perspective. But the romantic era was kind of gone for a bit. 
Yeah, no uh, Twilight. Like... Romantic comedies are very early. Well, romantic comedies are very early yeah. 2000s. And romantic teen yeah. fiction is very early 10s. It's probably been a solid eight years, at least, since we got some solid, like, potential classic, like, love story type um, series shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's a comedy, whether it's like a, whether it's a comedy or a, or just a romance or whatever. And I'm like, I'm loving this. Keep it coming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, oh, actually, I know it's going to keep coming. For fans of uh, Bridgerton, um, there was a, a short film they're making into a full film. It's called Mr. Malcolm's List. Oh, um, Hold on. We have our re- researcher clicking away, finding um, yes, all the all the facts so. we can. Yes, we gotta keep yes. gotta keep everyone it informed. Is, it is an upcoming period drama directed by Emily Emily Holly Jones, based on her novel and written by Suzanne Allen, based on her novel of the same name. So, like adapting a romance uh, into um, and there were some really big names in the short film version, and it did really well. Like Jim Chan was in it. Um, and the premise is that, um, it's, it's a very like rom-com premise and like the, the main guy is like a very Mr. Darcy character and has the same like thing as Bridgerton of like, um, I would say probably race conscious casting instead of race blind casting. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, um, a young woman in 1800s England. She enlists the help of her friend to get revenge on a suitor who rejected her for failing a requirement on his list of qualifications for a bride. So it's like... It's like, oh, the the friend is actually the um, the romantic lead. Um, What's it called again? Mister Malcolm's List. I am. It's scheduled to be released on July first in North America. Okay, Theo James. Yeah. Oh, um, Frida Pinto. So Frida Pinto plays. Oh, sorry. Frida Pinto plays the uh, main character. Um, I love Frida Pinto. There's a couple. Oh, Ashley Park. What do I know her from? What do I know her from? Oh, she was in the original cast of Mean Girls on Broadway. That's what I know her from. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Um, She's at... Um, yeah, it just looks really cute. Um, Yeah, they, they came out with, like, the first pictures and everything. Um... I did see this pop up in my recommended a lot when Bridgerton season one came out. I did see this short film. Yeah, um, so they're it. making it into a full film. So I love it. I'm saying the romance era. It's yes. here. It's here, and I would like it to stay. Um, Very much so. Yeah. Anyways, that's yeah, all. we're tired of excessive action movies or superhero movies every summer. We want or the super the, the superhero movies should be romances now. Yeah, we had a Marvel sex scene. There's no excuse for um, not to mix. Uh, yeah, it is straight people. But that's also the first Wait, Marvel what? sex scene. What sex scene? Eternals. Eternals. Where? On the beach. <laughs> you blacked it out from your brain. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. It's Cer- Cersei and, and Icarus. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I also blocked it out from my brain. Here's the thing. My point is just it's already happening in a Marvel um, film, so it can happen again. It can happen better. Yeah. Okay. When does Captain Marvel get to kiss a woman on the mouth? Also, an alien woman. Also, it's called Ty. Again, we're talking about Taika Waititi. Listen, 
It's Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. So who's kissing on the mouth? Who is it? And <laughs> who, no, no, what, what lady is kissing Jane Foster on the mouth? We only, <laughs> we only have three characters so far that we know of in this movie, and two of them are women. And Thor is on his own little, he's on his own little, like, self-care journey. Excessive yeah. kissing on the mouth. Required. It's called Thor Love and Thunder, and he has the thunder part covered. Mm-hmm. So, when, when, when is, when, it, when are they going to kiss on the mouth? The two, the two ladies. If, 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 uh, if Jane Foster and Valkyrie kiss on the mouth, maybe some points shall be made. Some points shall be made. We ask for so little. We asked yes, literally for, for the so bare minimum. Little. I would like to ask for the transcripts between Chris Pratt and Taika Waititi and their conversation oh about this God. film. I would oh like the conversations. God. Also, conversation with Chris Pratt's doctor because I don't believe he's vaccinated, so I don't know why he's walking around without a mask on. But you know, this neither here nor there. <laughs> you like Taika was like, "Listen, Chris Hemsworth, go crazy. Um, like go go nuts. Get as fruity as you want to get. Uh, Chris Pratt, like, just just." Sh- Chris Pratt, stay over there. Just, right. just, just react. Sit over there. Right. Just react. Just tell mm-hmm. us, like, just be in the moment. You know, tell us what feels natural mm-hmm. to you. Just you know? be in the moment. What? I want to yeah. see the emotions on your face. Not the words. Not the words of your mouth. I want to see what you're mm-hmm. feeling. I want to feel it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Show on your face. Non-verbal. Yes. <laughs> see, why can't we just need to recast Star-Lord with Pedro Pascal, and then mm-hmm. Thor and Star-Lord should kiss on the mouth. Yeah, because if... Because if the Chris is kissed on the mouth, one of them is getting COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Also, then Pedro Pascal, it, then both Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac are both in Star Wars and both in Marvel. We're collecting Infinity Stones. We're I collecting mean, them. Hello. <laughs> hello. We're going to have a gauntlet soon. Exactly. No, no, no. What I'm manifesting right now and what I need everyone to do collectively with me Manifest. is that as they come out with the casting for the Percy Jackson series, the Poseidon will be played by Pedro Pascal. That is all I ask for. The Poseidon is not going to be played by Pedro Pascal. The Poseidon's going to be played by, um, I can't remember his name. The person who played Percy Jackson, the original No, films. no, he's too young. He's too young. He's going to be Paul Blofus. He should be Paul Blofus. Should he? Absolutely, yes. Will he? No. No. I also no. don't think he's going to be in it at all. I don't no. think so either. I'm just saying, but... <laughs> Pedro Pascal, he has, he has it all. What role does he play in everything? In everything, he plays the same fucking character. Except for the last movie that he was in, the Nick Cage movie. Mm-hmm. He has played the same archetype, which is um, a dad. He was always playing a father. <laughs> He's always playing a father to a troubled child of a troubled magical child of some kind in literally fucking everything, except for with a couple, a couple exceptions. Um, and also who's like, also Poseidon is one of the few like godly parents who's like actually kind of gives a shit about his kid. I was like, that would that'd be so on brand. It would be so good. It would be so on brand. And then we can get Oscar Isaac to play Zeus. And then I've connected all the dots. Look, they all are already <laughs> they've all already have that Disney contract. Like, mm, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Um I'm just saying. I think it would be very essential. Um also, couldn't you imagine Pedro Pascal and some like um cargo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and like the fishing hat True. that uh, Poseidon is in in the book. I think it would be very funny. 
I think it'd be hilarious. Um, please, Disney, give me a call. This is all I am asking for. Um, <laughs> um, if I don't get this, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> and if I do get this, I'm going to be the most annoying person on Twitter.com. <laughs> um, to be fair, they are starting to film this summer, and I think he is filming Last of Us, so I, I probably won't. I probably won't, <laughs> won't get what I want. It's fine. Disney rarely listens to us. Disney, please. Rarely listens to I us. I ask for so, nothing. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Anyways. So sorry for going on that tangent. It's okay. We, we stand. Uh, I think I, what I've gathered from here is that we have nothing else to say about our Black Means death. Mm. We are basically We've saying evolved. that. It Literally, great- it's great. What else is there to say? It's an amazing show about, you know, love. And it's a pirate show. And you should go watch it, you know. And, I mean, that's basically it. So, if that's it, we can just move into the segment I'll Pass, which is when we talk about TV shows and movies that we are not watching this week or this month or whatever. Or we talk about film and industry news that we heard about that we are just not rocking with. Um, I have one that I will start with and then you guys can go after because I actually have two things Mm -hmm. but I am going to start off with this little thing I was going to talk about this a few weeks ago remember when I showed you my uh, google doc it had like the six things at the bottom yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. this is one of the things I pulled from there because I feel like it's relevant uh recently there was a clip circulating from the Kardashian show on Hulu that like Kim Kardashian's son Saint saw an ad to watch her watch his mom's sex tape with Ray J and as horrible and as sad as that can be to have like a moment from your past be brought up in like an innocent moment with your child to just randomly see that and the kids should not be exposed to that at all because the ads of certain sites for like Roblox and Club Penguin are not ads that should be seen next to kids. It's not that hard to download ad blocker on a kid's iPad. Like it's not that difficult. I'll say that. And I also want to say that like- To, even- to be fair, um, with the ad, like mo- I have a mobile ad blocker. They don't often work um, for like in-app stuff that work for like on a website. So mm-hmm. like if you're looking at an article or you're on a website, if it's within an app, it usually doesn't work unless that that thing is like, a pop-up ad of some kind um sometimes that like sometimes it'll block that but like for example like a promoted tweet or something Mm -hmm. um or youtube ads it doesn't block so but it might if it's a pop-up ad anyways continue i just want to say that i'm starting to feel like i feel like the with we will finally be free of the Kardashians and hearing about the Kardashians when we die. And I'm, I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. The Kardashians, I can mute them. I can block them. I can sing with them in any way I can. But somehow, in some way, y'all keep bringing them up and they keep talking and they keep existing. Like it was the quarantine, like one struggle of a quarantine was that their show ended and I did not see random clips of it on my timeline because people love to talk about them even though they make money off how much people hate them. 
people think it's funny how out of touch they are and how like bratty they are and how they're all scam artists like there's a youtuber who has a youtube channel by the name of cruel world happy mind and she did like a whole video on all of the kardashian scams which is very good and i did watch it and you guys should watch it because there are things i already knew there were scams that they were doing i didn't realize that christian had a church and she's just stealing what? money from people she's stealing money from people and kanye in wyoming with his ranch Oh, that one I know. <laughs> the that FBI. one I know. Literally that's, called the that's FBI. That's the thing is, like, there's so much, like, stupid reality TV that's actually, like, funny and crazy. And, like, mm. they're not even entertaining anymore. The thing is, is that, like, they, it, reality TV has lost its purpose. Because it used to be interesting to see celebrities on television because they were these gods among humans and we didn't know anything about them or anything about their inner workings but now if you piss a celebrity off on twitter because they want to search their name on twitter for some reason they'll just go off a tangent on instagram live or they'll write a whole essay on instagram or they'll write a whole tweet thread on twitter or they'll start like going on watch what happens live and sitting next to andy what's his name and then like some random reality show girl on the other side and some youtuber at the bar just talking about how much people don't like them because they're rich and they're famous and this, this, this. and the kardashians are way too popular and way too well known for them to have this reality show like y'all are obscenely wealthy you do all these things like i don't care about how long it took you to get for the Met gala i don't care because the only thing i'm going to be doing is watching other youtubers make fun of how ugly your clothes are like that's the only but thing. That's I care how about. they that's how they make their money. All press is good press. And mm-hmm. it's I, I feel like we as a society have progressed past the need, the want, the desire, the audience, the market for the Kardashians. You know, we don't need a new family. We don't need a new reality show family. I just need them to leave. Because you could cancel their show and you would still be able to keep up with them because they post every little bit of their lives on Instagram stories. Exactly. So what's what's the point of this? You want me to watch a TV show about their lives? Them getting really money from it? Disney on who on Disney? I, I can't believe it's on Disney Plus and not even just on Hulu. It's it's not even like why are we still here? Like late stage capitalism. I also we hate to say it but they are the beauty standard as long as they are the beauty standard it doesn't literally if there was not a single other piece of press coverage about them if they weren't like a household name if they didn't have the last name Kardashian just the fact that they are the current beauty standard would be enough to instantly make them popular because we see it every day with influencers influencers get popular and become literally millionaires for being nothing else but um conventionally attractive so even if you take away everything else from them, they're still conventionally attractive enough that they would instantly shoot back up. I'm already done. Because that's the way America works. I'm already done. Someone else start talking. I thought it ran on Duncan. I'll bring this up really quick because mm. I might need to let my roommate in so I might disappear for a second. So I'm going to say okay. mine quick because it's simple. Um, But... This is the closest we have ever gotten, guys. I'm not saying it's happening because I'm smarter than that. As a film critic, I'm smarter than saying it's going to happen. But there is an Avatar 2 release date. 
No, I can't. No, please, James uh, Cameron. No. People? Yeah. No, the James people? Cameron. The blue people. It's no, 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 set no, no, for no, December sixteenth. No, 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 no. It's set for de December sixteenth. So in I doubt months. that. See, okay. I doubt it too. I doubt too. And but it's there. And I think this is the is closest. Is filming I think this is the closest we've ever gotten. Who is going to give a shit? Who is going to care? But they they come and say that's coming out every single year. Every single year they say, oh yeah, Avatar 2 is coming out this year. We have an official date. Like, I'm not flipping the alarm switch yet, but this is the closest, most tangible, real thing if we've people, ever gotten to people, people saying that movie. Why is Vin Diesel in this movie? What? Vin Diesel, Mr. Family. Not Mr. Family. He found they, a new family. If people make that movie succeed just out of hate watching it, I will be so angry. They will. Okay, I'm going to duck for a second. You guys can keep complaining about this. I just wanted to bring it up so you could discuss. Oh my gosh. Here's uh... the thing though, right? Because like, it's already bad enough that they're like, listen, I know. I know for a fact that this show is dumb. Like, there are plenty of few things I listen to. Like, when it comes to people who are indigenous, I'll listen to them when they say, don't go to Hawaii because they don't have any drinking water. They'll say, listen to us about the climate change. Listen to us about oil pipelines destroying the environment. And if they say, if they tell me not to watch Avatar 2, absolutely, I will not watch it. Absolutely will not. Not even pirate it. Not even spend time with it. It's, it's a no for me. The listen, first one wasn't even that good. I don't remember the first one. I, I remember seeing it in the theater. Do I remember anything about it other than the, the, the weird sex scene? No, I don't. And I don't, I don't care to, to be, to be quite frank. How are you running around with no genitalia? Be fucking. Because they have the weird. You know what? I don't even want to think about it. Actually, yeah. no, never mind. Um, Avatar is not that good of a movie to get a sequel. The first movie. Also, for them to enough. steal the name Avatar from Avatar: Lost Airbender, I mean, it's a common word. Like, uh -huh. there's, they don't have a monopoly on it, but like, for them to steal that, hate crime. I consider it personal affront to me i consider it personal homophobia um i we don't need it the first movie was enough though james cameron and my suffering the um, first movie was enough my thing i'm passing on this week is obvious i did discuss it earlier it will be fantastic beasts 3 yeah. every time i see a film beating it in the box office um, anytime I hear about how much it sucks, it brings me so much joy. I, one of my friends, um, my co-hosts looked on Wikipedia at the plot synopsis and apparently it is a film about election fraud. Mm. Um, Dumbledore did hire a zoologist to, um, commit election fraud and that that is kind of what? the plot of the movie and also like the anti-semitism does increase in these films oh. um it is just it's just overall so bad and um i did get in a fight with somebody on tiktok recently because they were like here's all the reasons why fantastic piece is bad and i was like so you paid to go see it though like mm. she still got your money yeah and the person was like actually it was a free press screening and i was like so you went for free press so screening you got paid no you don't paid? get paid you don't get paid yeah, to go but you well, like you got to go for free but like, and you made yeah. content yeah well, yeah yeah like that's what i mean like it's you are being supported by the movie hmm. which is almost worse 
Yeah, I'm like, yeah. they reached out to people who specifically list themselves as Harry Potter fans. Like, you don't get to be like, oh, the she who must not be named. Like, you have Ravenclaw in your fucking bio, and you don't have a lot of followers, so you're clearly using this for clout, and you're like, oh, like, here's why the movie sucked. I'm like, horrible news. Like, all press is good press. Like, yeah. you just, like, I think that's the thing that angers me the most is that I'm like, there are very few IPs out there that have kind of a single creator who is still directly making money off of that thing anymore mm-hmm. or who like di- is directly impacted when it's subordinated and who like has a lot of political cachet in that way that just like doesn't exist in the same way for pretty much any other IP that I can think of other than maybe Ready Player One. Is, mm-hmm. Although Orson Scott Card is not still alive, is he? That's not that's Orson Scott Card. I'm an idiot. No, it's fine. It's Ender's Game. Ready Player One is also bad though. Um, Orson Scott Card, Ender's Game, I guess, would be the other one. But is he still alive? I don't even know. But um, Ernest like, Klein is the person who wrote Ready Player One, right? Yeah, and I'm like, listen. Have, um, have we talked about the issue with Ready Player One? Like, I have watched the movie. Do oh, we have an issue? Just one. We no, 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 no. Like, there's obviously so, multiple issues. There's multiple issues, but without spoilers, an issue that I can say is that part of the movie, obviously, is that the people who are actively playing the game, after actively in the game, um, feel like misrepresented and attacked because people who don't care about the game whatsoever are coming in and changing it, uh, representing it in a way that is not true to what the actual game is. Which is so hilarious because the movie exists and does every single point that they mention in the movie that they hate is being done. And that, I mean, those are the good guys saying that. It's so this should be done. It's feeling very fandom menace to me. It's feeling really not aware at all. Like, how can you mm-hmm. write into the script of the movie, the plot of the movie, point for point, bullet point for bullet point, beat for beat, exactly why something like this is wrong? Maybe that's and camp then. And they continue then. to do it. Maybe that's camp because they don't realize. No, I think it's just ignorance. I'm not giving this camp. No, I know. I know. It's actually just bad. It's, it's just, it's crossed the threshold. How do you do that? Stupid. How do you do that? Like, does no one like proofread your scripts? No, I mean, he is just a white man. <laughs> no. He'd be like that sometimes. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, right. Anyway, fuck JK Rowling. If Facts. anybody makes videos or content about Harry Potter still, stop. Please. Stop. Please. Enough. Like, go watch Ambulance if you want to see something in the theaters. Go. If I mean, you, I don't even like, you Am- like Michael Bay. But... You like wizards? You like a wizard school? Go watch The Owl House. You'll be fine. Please. You'll live. Yeah. Yes. Go watch Little Witch Academia. Exactly. You watch literally, watch literally so many animes. If you're that, and guess what? They have just an in-depth of a story as Harry Potter does. Some of them even more interwoven. And you're you gonna come across like, oh, such a beautiful it, fandom. It, it meant a lot to me. Whatever. I'm like, yeah. You know what? It meant a lot to it's me a lot too. Of people. And then I, I was like, guess you know, what? My partner also meant a lot to me when I was growing up too. But yeah. I don't need to constantly be making content and talking about it. Yeah. Like my partner is trans. And like has a Harry Potter tattoo. Like it's not mm. fun for them either. But they're gonna go yeah. get it covered up, and it makes them feel like shit now, and whatever. And like it, it, it was very important to them as a per, as a kid and as a person too. Like tough shit. Read yeah. another book. 
literally pick up any other book gosh i'm like horrible news and we were like oh well like yeah does disney do a lot of bad shit true if i never consume or talk about star wars or marvel ever again they still have like 90 other ips that they can cash in fucking cash money on that mm-hmm. also the original creators are not making direct royalties off of in the same mm-hmm. way nor do they like control you know have a large political voice in the united kingdom that then mm-hmm. filters into the u.s and and further so so be silent <laughs> all right um i think the last thing i'm gonna talk about is gonna be rebel wilson and this is layered so as many of you may or may not know rebel wilson was known as like the fat girl who was like you know she was funny like everybody liked her she did a lot of physical comedy same way Melissa McCarthy did and recently Wilson has lost a lot of weight and she shared that she gained a lot of weight at the beginning of her career so she could make it up in the comedy career because fat girls are funny and fat girls get hurt and they get cast at things so she gained weight to move up in her career which is just great because like you watch so many thin actors and actresses put on fat suits. They portray fat people, and fat people are just a joke in just about every single movie and television show. And Rebel Wilson gladly gaining weight so that she could perpetuate that stereotype even more and star in a terrible movie where she bumps herself on the head just so she can fall in love because for some reason, fat people can't love themselves unless they're in delusion, unless they have a little con- literal concussion, unless something literally wrong with their brains. And, you know, on top of that, she is also starring in a new Netflix show where she is basically the show, the the movie or the show is like called Senior Year or something like that. And she's basically the lead character and she's falling in love. And of course, Rebel Wilson is like literally 40. So her starring in this new Netflix movie or whatever it's kind of just like, it's obviously just like, oh, the movie's called Senior Year. It's obviously a joke. It's obviously like, you know, a parody film. And it's set in 2002. And I just like, I know like there is some talk and debate around whether or not people losing weight is like something that is, that will negatively impact the body positivity movement and like being health conscious and like blah 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 and that kind of conversation which happens on tiktok every single day every single week i'm going to speak from my own personal experience okay i have been fat my whole life i struggle with my weight my whole life you know it's not easy being the size sometimes and i feel like a lot of people try to make excuses like oh you're not fat you're chubby or you're thick or you just have big boobs whatever it's fine. This is the body that I have and body neutrality is something I've worked on for a long time in my life. And have I thought about losing weight? Yes, I have thought about that because I know that if I lost weight, people respect me more. I would fit into better clothes. I wouldn't have to be stuck wearing Lane Bryant anymore and like floral pattern dresses all the time. I had to get my clothes from Ross, which isn't always the best thing. That was really fun because I want to dress up and be nice and fun in my clothing, you know, in fashion. And even though like it sucks to like think about your body and how you look and to realize that like in any other body you would be more respected and more liked and more beloved and 
it's so annoying because like Rebel Wilson wasn't like my representation because I never liked that girl anyways. I have Queen Latifah. You know, I'm good. I don't need others. I'm good, okay? But for a lot of people, Rebel Wilson was someone that they looked to and they admired and they liked and they saw somebody succeeding in Hollywood with her size and they thought like they felt seen. And for her to lose that weight and to talk about being fat as like a gimmick or like a tool she used to move up in the industry or something that was just like she took on and took off is a slap in the face of a lot of people who can't lose weight easily due to like being in a food desert, not having the money, not having the time, not having the metabolism, not having different health reasons. And many people who do deal with weight loss are also disabled. And that's the thing that people don't talk about. Body positivity is not simply about like, oh my gosh, guys, I suck in my stomach and it's flat, but when I scratch, it's like, Ooh, it's all ooh. And it's like, oh, my thighs touch, and I don't have a thigh gap, but that's okay because we love ourselves. It's like, it's not just that. Body positivity was created for people who are fat and people who have disabilities. And a lot of times, people who are disabled are taken out of context or taken out of the conversation where you talk about body positivity because y'all want to do, y'all want to use terms like body dysmorphia and, you know, all these other terms that have significant definitions and are true disorders and throw them around every once in a while when you feel ugly or when you feel bloated. If you learn the meanings behind words, if you learn the intentions behind certain words that you have, you will learn how to speak clearly and to properly express your feelings, and you will understand that Rebel Wilson losing weight just so she can move up her career after she gained a career after being fat is problematic. It is. And you could say that I'm jealous because she lost weight, and you could say I hate her because she's rich, or beautiful now. She was always beautiful. Your size does not take away from your beauty or how you look. Your size is simply your size and it is what it is. And, you know, I know that I will never probably meet Barbara Wilson or speak to her and she'll probably never hear this. And that's fine. This is for the people who will hear this and will see this. And I'm saying this because like, like how um, Glenn mentioned before, how the Kardashians are the beauty standard it sucks that there are young women that look to other women on social media in the TVs and the movies that sell fit teas, face creams, skincare, makeup. They sell these products that they do not use because they have expensive, more expensive services that they utilize to make themselves look beautiful. Or they go, they sell, like, I love Jordan Woods. I love her to death. But girl, I know you got a BBL, all right? I know you got BBL and now you're trying to sell this workout app, whatever, like, babe, you're not fooling me. All right. I saw you when you were 12 and I see you now. It is a clear difference. Thank you very much. Like, it does suck that we live in this world where consumerism and capitalism has taught women to see their bodies in a certain way and to want to fit a certain stereotype and how a lot of influencers have the same face and the same butt. And like, there are women that grow up and they feel like they're not beautiful or da-da-da, so-and-so. You're you're fine. It's fine. You don't look like Kim Kardashian. Fuck that. She doesn't look like herself from 2009. All right. It's okay. You know, the sooner we learn to become more comfortable and destroy the internalized fat phobia within ourselves, the sooner we can destroy the internalized ableism within ourselves. The sooner we do that, the sooner we can advocate for disability advocates and people who are just generally disabled and see them as people and not props and not miracle stories and not just walking like, 
oh, you're walking in a crutch. Let me pray. Leave these people alone. Let them live their lives. The sooner we learn to advocate for our own bodies and the fact that we are human beings and we do not live to work ourselves to the bone or be sexual objects for other people's pleasure, the sooner we realize we're just humans and like meat suits and that some people just like, you know, it, it, you know, it's just like, it also reminds me of the scene I saw in uh, Switched Up Birth, which is my favorite show on ABC Family, where a mom, like, basically the kids are Switched Up Birth, duh. One family, which was born very rich, had a daughter who was deaf, and they wanted her to get surgery to get a cochlear in her ear. And the mom who had raised her was very poor. It was basically like, you can't give her that surgery. And then the mom was like, those rich was like, oh, so trouble. We can, you know, get it. You know, I know you may feel insecure about money or whatever, but it's fine. She's like, no, that's going to damage her. Like, that's not something that's simple. And you just want her to get that so she's not broken. You want to fix her. There's something wrong with her. You never took the time to communicate and speak to her like a human being. And that's the problem. Like, communication, words, understanding. Like, people, you think, like, you like don't look at me being upset at Rebel Wilson as like me hating her because she finally lost weight in the way that I couldn't. You need to look at it as seeing that like she decided to be a role model for women that don't have a lot of role models because of the way they look and took away their representation to benefit herself in a selfish way. And for what? Like for like for what? Because you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not a cohesive thought, but that's basically what I wanted to say, you know. Yeah. I'm very tired of her. <laughs> I think I we all are. And Amy Schumer, too. And Amy Schumer, too, because I remember she did an interview once where oh, someone God. accidentally called her a plus size, and then she got all up in her arm. She's like, I'm not plus size. I sleep with a lot of guys. It's like, girl, and what? Yep. And what about that's... it? When will she be silent? When will white women stop getting on my last nerve honestly yeah i mean that's basically it you know what i mean and you know also adele i love you adele adelian could do no wrong in my eyes adelian we love you yes adelian adele (laughs) i'm concerned about her health like i was like when she lost all the weight or whatever i was like you look more unhealthy now yeah and i always thought adele was beautiful but like people being like oh she's so sexy now it's like no she was always beautiful she was always what are you talking about like i you know i don't really like when celebrities kind of like go through those physical changes i just kind of like okay y'all do your own thing because i'm not trying to go down the rabbit hole of like conspiracies and stuff because a lot of things people put online like whether it's Twitter or gossip sites or blind items, aren't always true. You know, it's usually just like word of mouth. Sometimes there's facts, sometimes there's not. So, you know, I just try to like leave that be. But the Rebel Wilson thing just really pissed me off because, yeah, that's it. Mm. Yeah, and I'm also, I'm mainly upset because um, I don't want, like the fact that she has a new movie coming out on Netflix and it just, it looks awful. It looks awful. It looks stupid. It looks annoying. I, I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah, that's it. So true. <laughs> you know, some people just don't deserve things. 
So you might people just observe that was an accurate statement. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if there's nothing else, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, I just like to say uh shout out to Misha Collins who came out as bisexual. We love you. I mean, those of some of us already knew he was. I mean, yeah. Some of us kind of like some of us kind of just like you he know, wrote a like, book with his wife about being a swinger like yeah you know it wasn't the pieces were always there we just to put it all together you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it was always kind of just Be like who you, you are. Are. <laughs> <laughs> yes come on kids all right well if that's it you guys thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of I could mean to watch that. Shout out to Claudia for being our guest. Yeah. We had an awesome time talking to you guys. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's also really nice to like have a third person kind of like come in and like bounce ideas off of and like we got to have a nice discussion, a nice flow, talk about some new things, talk about some interesting things. You guys mentioned a lot of shows that I have to like look up. Like while you were talking, I was writing down like some notes of like, okay, I have to watch this, I have to read this, because like I had no idea what you were talking about. So I was like, <laughs> I need to uh be more cultured. I see. Okay, let me just try and uh get my shit together. <laughs> but yeah. No, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Claudia, once again for appearing. We appreciate you. And we'll see you guys me. next week with another podcast. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.